Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Plus Dave podcast, the Tottenham Hotspur theme show brought to you by a team of Spurs fans and a Leeds fan called Dave. This week, we actually do have Dave. I'm delighted to say he rejoins us after a couple of weeks on well-deserved holiday. And as if that wasn't enough of a treat for you, we also have Joe. So it's a full house today and a very exciting episode for all concerned. And I'm very much looking forward to it. Not least, of course, because we are going to be talking about another emphatic win with a clean sheet. An excellent, huge result. Three points. I am, of course, talking about Leeds 3-0 win against Watford. Dave, what a result, hey? Not bad. Not bad way to announce yourself back to the podcast. Not bad at all. Uh, hi, everyone. Thanks for having me back. You guys did a stellar job without me. As I just mentioned off, <laughs> off mic, I did listen to the last two podcasts and they were wonderful. We're going to test you on that because we're not sure that we believe you. Please don't test me on that. <laughs> but but yeah, really, really happy that Leeds, my absence from the podcast correlates with a pickup form for Leeds as well. So that's great. And uh, it looks like we will be talking about two Spurs games against Leeds next season, which is great news. Yeah, let's, let's hope so. Let's hope so. And also your prediction of Antonio Conte winning the manager of the month for April is starting to look a little bit better, isn't it? It's a good oh, start. Yeah, never in doubt. Never in doubt. Well, we're going to talk about all of those goals because that's what we do. We just come in here every week now and we just spend the whole time talking about goal after goal after goal. And it's a great time to be a Spurs fan. Isn't that right, Elio? Isn't it a great time to be supporting Spurs right now? It is. We've been playing well. We're scoring goals. Even when we're not playing well, we're scoring goals, which is (laughs) even more pleasing after years of us being the hard done by sides. And it's just nice. And I've been saying this for a few weeks now. It's just nice to see players that look like they know what they're doing, like they're implementing a manager's instructions instructions and Mm. imposing themselves on games it's been a while since we've been able to consistently say that going back to sort of two-thirds into the Pochettino era really Mm. I'm happy as a Spurs fan right now I think we all are Joe you happy as a Spurs fan I'm assuming yeah good very happy as Elio says whether we play well or badly at the moment the goals seem to be flying in and I would say so much should be in the Harry Kane team but um, (laughs) to be fair He might not be scoring, but everything is going through him at the moment. So I think we're more the Harry Kane team than ever. But uh, no, good times so far in April. We were talking about this before we started recording just now. And I apologise for breathing any kind of dignity into his comments. But Paul Merson was all over Twitter and all over Sky Sports News saying that we're a one-man team. And it's quite hilarious seeing how many goals we're scoring that aren't coming from Harry Kane at the moment. (laughs) Admittedly, he has had a hand in a lot of them and he is definitely our best player. But we're definitely not a one-trick pony and it's looking good to see. Elio, I want to come back to you because there's a lot to talk about. I want to get into this game. Four goals, another great performance, lots of great attacking to get through. But I want to talk about the first half because for the second week running now, it was a game of two halves. First half wasn't easy for us. We had to ride out a bit of a storm and then we came out pretty much a different team in the second half. I think the two stories of the first half, probably a very aggressive approach in the tackling front by Aston Villa right from the first minute, which we'll talk about. And also our goalkeeper at his best, keeping us in the game. How much do we owe Hugo Lloris for the fact that we actually had something to build on in the second half? Okay, so just just kind of... Let's start with Hugo. Just, yeah, building on what you said there, we... 
we have 11 players on the pitch. Every one of them needs to be prepared to pull off something really good at some point. And the mm. goalkeeper is one of them. I mean, a lot of people say, oh, you're only one because your goalkeeper made a yeah. lot of saves. And, and He's things in like the that. team, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Otherwise, shall we just yeah. play sort of a goalkeeper-less formation going forward? Play with rush yeah. goalies maybe instead. Who knows? But there's mm. a reason why you try and coach and buy a really good goalkeeper. And that's because sometimes you do need a really good goalkeeper to help you win a football match and we did in this yeah. match and Hugo after having a bit of a sort of late winter early spring blip recently seems to have come back into some of his best form and that was a really really top performance first half mm. yes I, I take your point that first half two weeks running we weren't maybe at our very best but there are very two different kinds of underperforming first half with Newcastle yeah. We did impose our own game. It's just that we lacked the craft first half to quite get through them and were almost actually sparked into life by conceding. Whereas with Villa, we actually didn't impose our game. We ended up Mm. being dragged down into Aston Villa's game because of the approach they took, which I know you're going to ask about. And we ended up quite sloppy and the worst team. It's not that we were the worst team first half against Newcastle. It's just that we didn't have an answer for an 11-man defence. With Villa, we were the worst team first half. And it was quite refreshing to see how we turned that around, to tell you the truth, because it's yet another situation of previous Spurs sides would not have. I want to know what Antonio Conte's halftime team talks are like. I mean, when we first appointed him, we talked about that quote from Pirlo about how his words assault your mind or they crash through the doors of your mind and, you know, these inspirational team talks that he gives. And they must work because that is two weeks running where we've absolutely flown out of the blocks in the second half. And it's great to see. Dave, I want to ask you about this because we touched on it a second ago just in terms of Aston Villa's, shall we say, slightly heavy-handed tactics in the first half. And I think it's the sort of thing that is hard to be impartial about because you get passionate. You see your players getting kicked. You see our players going down. You see our players getting injured, as has been the case with Doherty, who's obviously unfortunately out for the rest of the season. We'll talk about that in a bit. It's a difficult line to balance, isn't it? Because on the one hand, football is a contact sport. You are going to get tackled. Tackles that are fair, clean tackles can hurt. Doesn't necessarily mean that it's a foul. But at the same time, you have to draw a line somewhere where every tackle is a crunching slide tackle. You're going in, you're taking players out. Do you think that comes down to the referee? Do you think the rules need to be addressed? Where do you stand on this? Because... It's hard to watch that half and not think Villa didn't really play in a sporting way. That's silly. Or do we need to just get over it? You need to get over it a little bit. Yeah. It was sporting. It was playing within the rules. The yeah. rules are relatively wide for you to have the ability to express yourself, be that as a more creative person or a more blood and thunder kind of style of football. You know, ultimately, Steven Gerrard was both. So shock <laughs> horror that he's got a team that, you know, wants to get in your face and potentially, you know, bend those rules to be a bit more aggressive when they think it might benefit them. But also yeah. a team that, as I mentioned to you earlier on Twitter, has people like Philippe Coutinho who can do the creative, amazing masterclass at the same time. I think it's focused as all because Doherty got injured and he's out for, what is it, 12 weeks? Mm. So that's him done for the season. That's why we're focusing on it. I think the cash tackle yeah. is probably the one that is, even though it was the one yeah. that was Ironically. most relevant. I, I think it's probably yeah. the one that asks the most questions about whether it is a question of do the rules need to change because mm. that was absolutely, by the letter of law, fine because he got the Mm. ball and he dealt with the danger and it was all follow through it was nothing malicious in there but it was because Mm. he went there and he went at pace and he got through and he went straight through the guy as he was he's getting the ball and that's the difficult thing that's you know should it go to VAR probably not Mm. should the ref have had a word with Matty Cash I don't know if he did have a word with Matty Cash to be honest I didn't see the aftermath that closely but 
that's the trickiest one. And the other one that I mentioned when we were watching it was the Ashley Young yellow card on Oh, there, that was dirty. Which was horrific. <laughs> but just, not necessarily, it shouldn't have been a red card because it was definitely just a yellow card. It was a yellow card foul, but it was so blatant that yeah. you almost wanted to give him, I would have been looking if I was that referee for a reason to send him off. So as soon as he got booked, <laughs> he was gesticulating like, what, me? What are you talking mm-hmm. Yellow card for, for Ashley Young. I was like, yeah. I would have taken that as a send and just sent him off straight away because that was a horrifically unprofessional professional mm. foul. So much so that the ball was gone. Kim was gone. And he was just like, yeah, get his legs. Just deal with and it wasn't even a trip. It wasn't even yeah. a trip. Yeah. It, was oh, no, it was a it was, it was a, it it was, was a clean out. Mm. It, was it, it was cynical. Really ugly. It was yeah. a clean out. And it's out. one thing if you're trying to hold on to a narrow lead and, you know, it's taking one for the team. But you're 4-0 down at that point. The game was over. It was Please just frustration. Please don't read into the fact that Ashley Young used to play for Scum for a, a fair few years <laughs> into anything that I say. Not at all, Dave. I know that you're a consummate professional. We would never. Absolutely. I would never, those feelings I would never do what Ashley Young did to Ashley Young <laughs> verbally on a podcast. <laughs> so I think I want to pick up sort of on a couple of bits and pieces, you say. And, and yes, I agree that it is a very broad lettering and a very kind of broad wording around things and a lot mm. of this is also referee's discretion still where players health is involved i'm not sure referee's discretion should be a thing but it is what it is mm. with matty cash's was actually probably the least bad of the challenges that there are to discuss and there were several but mm. the rules do say yes if you get the ball, it's clean. They also say that players can't be out of control and they can't be reckless. And I know that a still isn't necessarily the best kind of indicator. I accept that. But when you do see the still of the moment that they make contact and neither of Cash's feet are on anywhere near the ground at that point, and you know that he's made that tackle from a long distance away, I don't understand how he can be in control of his tackle. And mm. to me, that's reckless. And to me, that's dangerous. But... Then you say, well, there was no intent to hurt him and there's no malice in that. You actually continue watching. Sky actually caught the whole thing for once and yet still didn't comment on it somehow. Andy Hinchcliffe, idiot that he is, completely buying into the sort of good old-fashioned salt-of-the-earth type tackle it was. And first you've got Doherty writhing on the floor and then you've got Cash walking in a way and his teammates, he actually indicates, you can see him, right hand punching motion into his left hand, basically saying, more of that, more of that. Like, there's Mm. a clear instruction to be rough with that. And we can blame the refs all we like about that, but ultimately that shows me that it's a manager's instruction. And that's what I take issue with. I take issue with a manager sending his team Mm. out to play that far on the edge that you're essentially saying to your opponent, if you want to compete for balls today, then you're going to risk getting hurt. And there's so many I mean Danny Ings has never been to my mind a dirty player but the way he took out Davies about Mm. a second after the ball was up the pitch from Davies on the byline that could have been a straight red no one's even talked about that one the tackle on Kulisewski from Mings who we know is a piece of work from what he did to Ibrahimovic a few years ago and what he did to I can't remember which Spanish side it was but one of their forwards where he basically stamped on his face Mings actually does get off on hurting people and he Mm. could have ended Kulisewski's season with that challenge as well so so I accept Matty Cash's was the least bad. I accept that the rules do allow for him not to be dealt with punitively in that instance, and it wasn't even a free kick. But to my mind, when a team goes out and plays like that, you're more likely to end up injuring someone than someone making the odd bad rash tackle in an otherwise clean performance. 
I think the Gerard point where you're saying more of that, more of that, I think is a really interesting one because at the same time, and this is when you have to look at the ref, if the ref would have taken action in the first instance where he'd have seen this kind of escalation of aggression, Stephen Gerrard would have done a very different sign to these players. He'd have said, mm. you know, hands patting down, saying, okay, we need to wind that back now. And that's yeah. and that's interesting because I'm not saying that's a particularly bad thing, to be honest, because I think that's a good sign of a manager getting what he wants out of his team, even if it is a bit of thuggery. You know, ultimately, we're in the Premier yeah. League and we've got different levels and there are always going to be levels. And to go on your point and to do an obvious joke, you're right, Mings is merciless. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard that one before. That's quite good, Dave. There was a a sense of the kind of old school Sunday league mentality about it, wasn't it? It was like, go out there and let him know you're there, leave a mark on him and that kind of thing. And I I can't help feeling that Gerard will have watched the Newcastle game. And if there's one thing you can say about Newcastle is that their press was terrible. They gave us acres of space and they were punished for it in the second half in particular. And maybe there was a case of him thinking, how do we counter this? We just go at them and just lay it on them, kick them, press them, hassle them. You can press and hassle without actually being violent in yeah. it though. I mean, Barcelona Leeds, did it. <laughs> I, I haven't seen anyone complaining about yeah, Leeds, Leeds being overly rough. Same thing. And Leeds are one of the best presses in the league when they've got a fully fit complement of players. When we were at our pressing best under Pochettino, I don't remember ever seeing us play like that. Yeah, we played aggressively. Yeah, we had the odd tactical foul to stop a counter-attack where Dembele used to be brilliant at it. But I don't remember any kind of off-the-ground lunges into halfway up people's legs. I I just don't. And like I say, the fact that Villa came out to do that, I just, I don't think that's... That's what people Mm. want to see. People want to see your best players on the pitch, not in the treatment room. And Villa are taking a risk with people's health by playing like that. Joe, you've been quietly taking everything in. Where do you stand on all this? What's your thought on the whole drawing the line issue with tough tackling and physical play versus protecting players? What do you make of this whole issue? Yeah, I mean, I understand what Dave's saying. You know, I mean, first of all, it's obviously really good for television and the brand that the Premier League is tough and exciting and, Mm. you know, full-blooded and everything. Also, probably one factor that we haven't talked about yet is, you know, we've talked about the refereeing just being a bit weak in protecting some of the Spurs players. But it also shows you what a difference home advantage plays in all of this because Spurs had more bookings than Villa at the end of the game, which seems astonishing to me. I, I had to kind of go back and check the numbers and Mm. Villa had two bookings Spurs had three a huge amount of that would have been just the crowd getting on the ref's back putting the ref under pressure and I I think it's slightly weak refereeing I I don't think he didn't protect the Spurs players but I mean Villa was sent out as you say with the game plan of roughing up Spurs and and they did cross the line a few times when they did it I mean obviously Mm. Doherty might be out for the rest of the season now as a result of trying to take players out and he's he's one of our tougher guys I would say so I think the refereeing was a bit weak on the day, to be honest. Do you think the referee needs to just go to the players and say, look, calm down or you're going to be in trouble? Does he need to basically yeah. make empty threats? Because I know he can't yeah. just send them off for the sake of it because they didn't listen to him, but he has to take some control, right? I think if it was a really well-respected referee, if it's like, what's his name? The bald guy who everyone used to love. Galina. 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 Okay. Galina. <laughs> no, no, not him. No, no, no. The one referee that people actually liked. Actually, Jeff Winter. What I'm talking about. Wasn't he the ref in the World Cup final where, where it was even worse? Okay, scrap that then. But do you think the ref actually just needs to tell the players to calm down? Or do you think the rules are wrong? Do you think that the Premier League needs to do something? Well, I don't think it was within the rules from Villa. Like I say, the rules don't mm. allow from an out-of-control tackle whether or not you win the ball. 
ball. So I do think it is weak refereeing. And I think mm. Graham Scott owes an apology to Matt Doherty because I think he's partly culpable for it. I know that we don't want to overly sanitise football and take away physical contact. We do want it yeah. to be a contact sport. I'm not someone who doesn't want to see tough tackling, but I just think there's a way of doing it that still doesn't risk people's health to that extent. People are going to get injured in football. They will. Yeah. But I just think this was so avoidable. I just really do. I mean, mm. I always, always, always go back to Aaron Ramsey's broken leg against Stoke. Ryan Shawcross mm. was a defender that no one ever really called dirty. They just thought he was sort of old-fashioned centre-half, left a little bit on him yeah. to make them know he was in the game, etc., etc. So he played what was sort of politely called on the edge and it was acceptable until mm. one day he broke someone's leg and you know what I don't think he meant to break Ramsey's no. leg he was actually in tears when it happened so mm. so I fully appreciate that it wasn't intentional but it was a result of him continually playing like that because when you keep playing a certain way you are raising the chances of you severely hurting someone and if I was a footballer who actually caused someone that level of injury, yeah. I don't know how I'd feel afterwards. I'd feel absolutely mortified. And I'm mm. sure Matt Cash didn't intend to end Matt Dotty's season, but that is the risk yeah. that he took. Mm. It maybe just lower the bar for what constitutes a yellow with those types of tackles, I suppose, if it is that simple. Well, look, it's the sort of thing we could talk about for ages and there's so much more to get onto. So let's move things along. And I think it says a lot that the Villa tackling overshadowed what happened about three minutes into the game, which was Spurs taking say, the lead. Talking, we're, we're talking about dirty Aston Villa <laughs> for 15 minutes. I'm what, getting out of the way, Dave. I want to put the negative out there first <laughs> and now focus on just good thoughts, okay? Now it's just plain sailing from here on out. So let's talk before, about Before Son's we goal. get into the goals, before we get into the yep. goals, I just want to say that it says a lot for Matt Doherty and how he has turned things around. Six weeks ago if you'd said we'd agreed a free transfer of Matt Doherty to <laughs> Shamrock Rovers everyone <laughs> that supports Spurs would have been great, we're getting his wages off the book. And now yeah. Matt Cash mm. is enemy number one because of the fact that he's taken Doherty out of the rest of our season and I, I think yeah. that's a huge credit to Doherty that he's turned his Spurs career around like that and also a huge shame that this happens at the point that he has turned his Spurs career around. That's football, isn't it? This is the fickle nature of us football fans. You know, it doesn't take long. I was looking at the league table from a few weeks ago and just thinking it looked so different and our mindset was so different. You just listen a few podcasts back, we were doom and gloom. <laughs> we're a little bit doom and gloom and it just changes so quickly. So it's a bit of a crazy sport, isn't it? Uh, let's talk about the first goal then. So um, a little bit of an element of fortune with the way it fell for some, but no luck in the finish. That was an instinctive striker's finish. Lovely shot with his left foot in off the post. Joe, talk to me about human Son. Yeah, well, I mean, he's been getting more and more prolific as we've gone further into the season, hasn't he? And his form lately is just outstanding. You know, yeah. the, the running off the ball has been great all season, but his finishing now is is just so reliable. Mm. I think also with Kane, just loving this deeper role of flicking passes on to anyone that's willing to run forward. Son's just killing teams, you know, and I, I think this is really hard to defend against. I want to come out on record, and Elio, I don't know if you'd like to join me on this. This is I'm speaking for myself here, but I would like to issue an official Plus Dave apology from myself to Human Son, because <laughs> I think we've been a little bit harsh on him in recent episodes, and he's been nothing short of outstanding over the last three games, and he's now actually knocking on the door of the golden boot. I think in terms of non-penalty goals, goals in open play, he's top of the charts at the moment. Salah's got quite a few penalties. And the way the two are going, for whatever it's worth, you wouldn't bet against him getting a golden boot. Elio, what have you made of Son in the last couple of games? And more importantly, would you like to join me in my public apology? Absolutely not. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> I could have told you that. I knew that was coming. I'm a seeker of truth and justice, and we always caveated our criticisms of him with, but what do you do when he's still scoring and making goals every game and providing us with that conundrum? So yeah, I apologise for nothing. I, I, uh, <laughs> I'm i a bastion of fairness. However, mm. I will say that maybe I'm also learning a lesson here that if someone has deficiency in their game, you shouldn't focus that much on it if they're actually doing something else constantly at an incredible level that 99% of players in the league wouldn't be able to do. And that is the case with Son yeah. Hyung Min right now. He is absolutely electric. It's He's actually gone up a level in terms of his composure in front of goal. He used to be that striker that, as you saw with his first goal, was brilliant for the instinctive finish. But if you gave yeah. him too much time to Game think time. about what he was going to mm. do, he would hit it straight at the goalkeeper. Even this season, in in, in the yeah. match up at Liverpool, the match that we potentially could have won, he was mm. thrown goal and just hit it straight at the goalkeeper. He, he's now developed a steeliness. And I don't know if that's content or if it's confidence or a bit of both, but he's developed a steeliness. That means that the second mm. he's in front of the goalkeeper you expect it to be in, in the back of the net. The steeliness you usually associate with Harry Kane, to tell you the truth. So, yeah. so no, it's, it's really lovely to see. And as much as we always praise Kane for his passing, and his passing has been unbelievable lately, the passing is made better by the guy making the run. And yes, yeah. I know it's a bit of a chicken and egg argument as to sort of who's making who look good there. But ultimately... If you've got Lucas on the pitch instead of Son, Harry Kane's passing mm. doesn't look quite as good all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, very good point. Well, Elio, that little summary leads in very nicely to my next little stats. And you're going to love this because it combines two of your absolute favorite things, Son Heung-min and XG. So um, I've got a little chart here of basically the best finishers across all of the top European leagues this season. And in third place is Lionel Messi, who has outperformed his XG by 21.31%. So this is basically the XG delta, as the nerds like to call it, how many goals they're scoring over how many they should be scoring. In second place is Harry Kane with 21.33, pretty much neck and neck with Messi. And Son is out on his own with 44.41% over his XG. So his finishing is literally outstanding. He is in a world of his own in terms of the clinicalness of his finishing. Dave, I know you're a huge fan of Son. How much do you reckon he's worth in today's market? If we were going to sell him, not that we want to, if we we're going to sell him this summer, how much would someone have That's to pay? That is weird. So forty-four percent. So so basically, for every one xg, he is scoring one. He's performing 4, over yeah. four xg. He's scoring fourteen and a half goals for every ten he should be scoring, okay. which is quite <laughs> he's something. One ten to my summation, yeah. but yeah, that's weird. That's weird. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know why, but I assume that there would be better than that. But hey ho. Uh, anyway, what were we talking about? Son Hyun Ming. Mm. Uh, Sorry, my stat didn't impress you, Dave. Sorry, yeah, I just assumed that there'd be more. To be honest, right. I'm not not impressed it's with just you. Better than Messi Dad. and Kane. I'm not impressed with be enough, footballers, but... strikers who clearly aren't overperforming their yeah. XG. That's my biggest issue. They get paid too much, don't they? Basically, is what got you're issues with, with. I'm not impressed with you, Dagger. has <laughs> <laughs> got no. issues with Ryan Shawcross, and I'm sure Ryan Shawcross would be devastated that you brought that up again, by the way, Elio. He's lived through it enough, all right? Just move on. I wonder if someone could generate like an expected broken legs statistic based on tackles. XBL. XBL. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's probably possible. Well, Someone's d- done it. This has taken a dark what? turn. It has taken a dark turn. Dave, I asked you a question. Doesn't Son have a relatively high XBL? <laughs> No, 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 that's a real, <laughs> that's real BL, BL I think. Uh, just, anyway. just straight up BL. 
So yeah, how much are you going to have to pay for Hyunmin Son, Son in yeah, the summer? He's, yeah, he's decent. He's, he's decent. Is that your summary? Uh, okay. Great to have you back. better than you have been saying he is and about as good as I've been saying that he is all season. Is that fair? Sounds I've fair. been saying he's world Sounds class fair. the whole season. I've been saying he's, well, at the start of the season, he was your anchor and he was the reason that you were actually picking up points. And now mm. he's been complimenting Kane when everybody's been chatting about how great Kane is. And I, I did notice that a lot of the yeah. post-match analysis yesterday was all talking about Kane. It was like, well, why are we talking about Kane? Son scored a hat trick. I feel um, bad maybe for that's him. because of that's the person he is and he's not the kind of person that's going to go on a golf course with Gary Neville and talk about his big move to Bayern yeah. Munich. Um, he'll just move to Bayern Munich. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I think he's he's a world-class footballer. You've got, you've already said, we've already talked about this and we think there's three world-class footballers in your team. Um, the goalkeeper, Kane and Son. And the rest. Uh, and, and the rest now. Now suddenly we're all world-class footballers. But yeah, I mean, he's nine figures, isn't he? Easily. Yeah, I think mean, that's fair to say. Well, let's give him a rest for a second because we're not a one-man team. We're not even a two-man team. Let's talk about Dejan Kulusevski and his goal. And of course, Harry Kane's involvement in that goal. Joe, do you remember that? Nice little flick on header. Not for the first time in that match from Harry Kane. <laughs> and a very cool finish yeah. from the young man from Sweden. Yeah, yeah, absolutely lovely. What have you made of him recently? Well, I thought we've been praising him pretty much from day one. He, you know, he looked yeah. good when he made his first couple of substitute appearances. And then he started to actually start in the front three, which we thought, okay, interesting that he's gone ahead of Lucas. And we've been praising mm. him ever since. But that might have been his best performance yet. You know, he was just involved with everything. I was actually more impressed. Actually, the finish was really nice, but I was almost more impressed by the assist he got to get Son's hat trick because he was just oh, slaloming, yeah. you know, around making Villa look terrible in defence, going to the byline. Mm. He's really dangerous and uh, and he seems to be loving life in Spurs already. So um, I think yeah. we can feel really positive and excited here. I think much like all of us at times, I am prone to a slight overreaction in the heat of the moment following Spurs goals. And you may recall from our WhatsApp group chat, after that Son Hattrick goal that Kudusevsky set up, I boldly claimed goal of the season. I'm not quite sure I still stand by that. But I do stand by the fact that it was an exceptional move. And if you actually just think back to how it started, it was very similar to Emerson's goal in the last game, actually, in the sense that it, it all started from the back. Emerson himself won the ball this time, played a little one-two with Kudosevsky. And Kudosevsky played this really lovely flick with the outside of his right foot on the turn, almost instinctively, and then ended up all the way down on the byline, so composed to set up the goal. I mean... I thought this was more am impressive. I, am I getting a little bit carried away? No, I, 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 yeah, you thought this was a better I, move. I thought this was, more, but, it was a quicker counter Attack, it, it was it? quicker, but also Villa were just at this point. I was getting really nervous. I mean, going back to the dirty Villa thing, I was starting to get really nervous because <laughs> their, their, their heads had gone and they were just doing like they were just going in for these tackles. Just you could tell they were trying to hurt someone. So to play it out from defence when you've got Villa players going <laughs> yeah. in so hard, inviting more tackles Cause, exactly because they've stopped caring by that point, and then to go all mm-hmm. the way up the other end and, and finish off with a wonderful song goal. I agree with you. I think it's one of the best goals of the season. Well, I'm glad it's not just me. A little stat here talking about that front three. Obviously, all had a great game in this one. We posted this on Twitter and actually had quite a good response, but this is from Sky Sports. So since February 19th, in terms of total goal involvements, Harry Kane has seven goals, six assists with a total of 13. Son has eight goals, three assists with a total of 11. And Kudasevsky has three goals and six assists with a total of nine. And those three actually stand on their own above all other players for that period, which is absolutely incredible. Elio, talk to me about that front three. How good do you think they could become? And... When was the last time we had an attack this good? I mean, right now, they're the best attack in the league. <laughs> it's uh, hard to argue. I mean, it's, 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 it's there in, in black and white. Yeah, <laughs> it's, exactly. What more no can you say? 
They, they are but currently what's the best. ceiling? What's um, the ceiling for these three if they are going to be our front three? I mean, that's a really, really hard question to answer because the problem is every time we think Kane and Son can't get any better, they get better, and Kulusevski <laughs> has only just arrived. So, so it is scary yeah. how good they could become, and if they have the right team behind them, then we have a very good season to look forward to next season. Uh, mm. I think it's all about partnerships in football. It's it's about Kane and Son, and we were relying so much on it, and now it's Kane, Son, and Kulusevski, and they're all different. With Kane, you've mm. got that physicality, you've got that variation, you've got that unpredictability of where's he going to show up. With Son, you've obviously got these runs that you know he's going to make, and you still can't stop him making them. Uh, no matter what you do. Yeah. With Kulusevski, yeah. you have this guy who is pretty two-footed, better with his left, but pretty two-footed from what I've seen so yep. far, who can come inside and literally find himself starting on the right and running onto a ball to score a goal from the left-hand side of the area, like he did. Or he can mm. take the ball down the right-hand side and cross with his right, or cut in and cross with his left if that's the better option. He seems to cross when mm. he wants to cross as well. Like He, he yeah. delays and delays and delays until he sees someone making the right run for him to lay the ball off for and that's real composure and intelligence I don't think I've ever seen a more composed 21 year old Mm. at least not in this league obviously there's one man who is a left footer off that side of the pitch who trumps that (laughs) completely but I don't want to start comparing those two players because that would be ridiculous however Mm. Kulusevski is He's brought what I've been saying all season we needed, what I was begging for up until January, which is he's brought craft and intelligence to our attack where we had become a bit stale and predictable. And the fact that they're all so different and they mesh so well together, it makes you think that Kulusevski wasn't some, like a lot of people say, backup because we didn't get Luis Diaz, but he was very much identified as the right fit for this team getting Diaz might have been a bonus. I think we were signing Kulusevski, whatever happened, because you don't fluke a signing this good by, mm. by chance. It, it was definitely by design. No, fair enough. I'll argue with that. What I was thinking about the other day, actually, is that I can't remember ever seeing in world football a strike partnership, taking Kulusevski out of it for a second, between Harry Kane and Human Son, a more two-footed pair up front. They they are both so good on either foot. And apart from maybe, I don't know, Neymar and Messi, for example, when they were together, it's so rare to see two strikers that can go either way. And that's just powerful, isn't it? When you think of how difficult that is to defend against. So we talked about the Hadrick goal for Son, how that's a potential contender for a goal of the season. Potential contender for assist of the season, subtly, from Harry Kane, with that beautiful, beautiful glancing header for Son's second goal, wasn't it, Son's? Uh, yeah, that was for that was, Son's That second. wasn't for his hat-trick. No, that wasn't yeah, hat-trick. Yeah, and, and, and lovely finish from Son, and he took it really well in his stride. But, but Joe, how good was Harry Kane's little flick there? Yeah, it's insanely good and completely intentional by, uh, you know, when you watch the replays <laughs> and you see him have a quick look and then go for it. I don't yeah. know how his brain computed all of that movement in the milliseconds that mm. it all took place. Easily assist of the season. That's a bold claim. Dave, step in. Assist of the season from Harry Kane? Well, the season's not over, so... <laughs> you never know what's going to happen. That's that a very sitting on the fence um, response. It was really good. No. It was really good. Uh, what do you want from me? It was really good. Harry Kane's really good. Yeah. Should we disagree from now on that Harry Kane and Human Son are really good? Yeah, <laughs> I and feel, that, I feel like my rest. involvement in this in this yeah. portion is a bit unnecessary. Yeah, yeah you've got. Do you prefer you've got two world pass forwards? Well done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of yours is okay as well, Dave. To be fair. Hey, most Premier League goals scored in twenty twenty two. Number one, Harry yeah. Kane with eight. Number two, yeah. 
Jack Harrison. That's that's a hell of a stat. I'll be honest. Isn't he playing left wing back for us next season? I mean, if you've got the money. (laughs) Get him on loan now. We need a wing back. Oh, brilliant. So that was one of the issues we were talking about earlier when we were discussing what we're going to talk about today with Elio. We were saying that it's going to get a bit tedious if we talk about every player who had a good game because it's just one of those games yet again where everyone was good. And we said we could put a bit of a spotlight on Romero, but what can we say about Romero that we didn't say about him in the last game? He was excellent. Again, he's just a brilliant player. Same with Harry Kane to a point. I mean, he's getting so good, it's almost a bit boring. But is there anyone that you think is worthy of a bit of a mention? Anyone that we don't talk about too much? What about Emerson? Because... He's probably going to be in our team now through necessity for the foreseeable future, probably for the rest of the season. How do you think he performed, Elio? I thought he was fine. It was a nice little layoff in the build-up to our final goal. I think people saying he offers absolutely nothing going forward are very much just obsessed with players who get to the byline and cross it in. Being Mm. part of a move that releases Kulusevski to put in a cross in is still contributing to an attack. I uh, I don't think people are being very fair to him. He's not a right wing back. Our team will be weaker with him indefinitely there instead of Doherty. But he has also played in Mm. that position for the past two games and we've scored nine across those two games with only one conceded. So he must be doing something approaching right. I think people... You know what? The same people who are deploring him as having to play right back or right wing back even for the rest of the season and bemoaning Doherty's injury that's put us in this mess were almost definitely definitely decrying Doherty as a useless yeah. donkey six or seven weeks ago. <laughs> so I, I think I think people need to chill out and learn a lesson from time to time and accept that their opinions mean mm. very little and that's why they're uh, sat on a couch with a beer watching it and not sat in the dugouts orchestrating it. And, and I'll put myself yeah. in that class as well. Very humble in the dugout. Or, uh, <laughs> <laughs> last, <laughs> last week you called yourself the world's greatest pundit. We've fallen a little bit from grace, I mean, then, haven't we? The bar is not high to be world's greatest pundit. I'm competing <laughs> no, we with Michael Owen, Paul Merson. I was, and Paul I was just about exactly, to mention yeah. that you know this podcast is probably guilty of having quite a large go at Doherty and probably bemoaning Emerson as well. So you know, yeah. we're all guilty of it. It's it's the element of. And I think it probably took a little bit longer than we maybe anticipated for everybody mm. to get used to the way that Conte plays. But it certainly seems that he's getting to that point now where mm. the players don't look like square pegs in round holes. They look like round pegs in round holes and they look like they can do the job. And I would argue that's yeah. 80 to 85% of the job. Whoever you are, you need a run in the team, don't you? Unless you're Kulusevski and you come in first game and you're brilliant. You pretty much need a run of games well, to get up to where you're well, going to be. Well, it's a different type. It's a different position means a different type of discipline, means a different type of knowledge of the of the role. You know, I think Kulusevski's role, you know, in the sense that he was the kind of that person who was one of the furthest men forwards looking for that knock-on pass-through so that he can make that run and, and then potentially pull it into a striker is not as yeah. difficult as, you know understanding the way that the transition of play needs to work basically through you mm. as the wing back um you know it's, it's it's a vital role in the conte tactics and if you don't get it right it becomes very obvious that you're doing it wrong so i think mm. um i think you know credit to emerson obviously it's doherty it's a shame he's out and then we'll see how Reguillon and or Sessegnon go on with it. I really, I really want Sessegnon to get some games before the end of the season because I think he's he will. still, he's still, you know, fourteen years old and he's still fourteen a really, half, really promising footballer. So I would really yeah. like to see him get some games. He was doing well until he got his injury, and mm. I think just very quickly, you did ask who's worth sort of overly singling out for praise. I don't want to get into the habit of going through every single player, so mm. super quickly. 
Hoybier, who is someone that I've hammered a fair bit, who I absolutely did not think could play Conte ball. Yeah. Since the win against Leeds onwards, I think he's been good pretty much every time he's played. And part of that is probably not having to do the job of two men because he's had a good partner in Benton Court mm-hmm. for the most part as well. Admittedly, against Leeds, it was Harry Winks. So... I will caveat that with that. But Hoiberg has been on good form now for a good couple of months and he deserves to be praised for it too. Now, well said. And Elio, you've you just inadvertently answered one of the questions I had written down in my notes because uh, funnily enough, I went back and listened to our first podcast after we had just hired Antonio Conte because I just go the extra mile like that. That's the amount of effort I put in for this podcast. Um, and I was curious just to hear our predictions and how we thought it would all play out and how that sort of transpired. And I remember you saying that you thought Hoiberg could struggle. Do you think... Benson Kerr is pretty much one of the main reasons for why he's done better Absolutely. Than we expected. And I still think longer term, we're probably going to look for something mm. a bit better, or at least someone that can really compete with the two of them and skip. I think a central midfielder yeah. in the summer is inevitable. Uh, mm. I'd be disappointed if we didn't get one, to tell you the truth. However, right now... And the last couple of games, Hoiberg has been probably the better of the two of those as well. I really like Benson Corey, mm. as you know, but against Villa, especially first half, didn't have his best game. Well, let's hope he keeps it up. Uh, we talked about the left-hand side a minute ago, and obviously there's a bit of a decision to be made there. I put a tweet out asking people to vote on who they would prefer once both are fit, and this was before Doherty's injury, assuming he wasn't going to carry on on the left. So now that it is between Cessnion and Regulon, it was a very close result with Regulon winning out with a 52% majority. Joe, I want to ask you about those two players. Is there an obvious choice for you in terms of who should start, or do you think it depends on the opponent? And what do you think are the main differences between the two as left wing-backs? I'm surprised there's a debate. I would have thought Regulon is clearly clearly the first choice Mm. at left-back. I'm very surprised that the poll was that close. Mm. You know, he's got... He's got so much more experience at top level. You think coming from Madrid, he knows how to cope in in higher pressure games. He was one of our best players in the first half of the season. Not quite hitting those heights in the second half, but he's, I mean, he he has had injuries. And it's interesting, since we seem to have turned on the ability to just score ridiculous amounts of goals, it seems that we don't need Regalon's sort of forward drive. And to be fair to him, picking up the occasional goal and assist, which, you know, he was getting for us earlier. It's just not needed as badly now because we're clicking so well going forward. So, yeah, yeah, he's obviously, in my opinion, the guy's go-to. I feel like we're just one thing clicking away from Regulon potentially becoming a real goal threat because we've seen him have so many chances. And for some reason, maybe it's a confidence thing. He's just hitting them straight at the goalkeeper. How many times have we seen Regulon with his, his head in his hands after being put through by Harry Kane on the left and just wasting a chance? Like if, if he just gets into that mindset and gets one goal, I know he got the goal against Leeds, wasn't it, Dave? Mm. Um, but if he just gets in a bit of a run, I think he could be in, among the goals. What do you think, Elio? I like Regulon a lot. I think it's not as cut and dry as which one of them is the better player because Regulon is a good, now Premier League proven left back, an attacking left back, but still a left back. Sessegnon is a specialist left wing back. Sessegnon is less proven and also Mm. far younger, but he has a physicality about him and a movement about him that Regulon doesn't have because... He is trained in the attacking arts. And the way our wing-backs have been playing, Dotty on one side specifically, in fact, Dotty is the best wing-back at the club. They're actually just playing like old-fashioned wide midfielders. They're not actually defending at all. And maybe that's also because we've yeah. generally been quite possession-based as well lately. Mm. But 
But I think Sessegnon potentially is the better fit for the system. Reguilon is the better player. I don't know how that will come into Conte's thinking, but I wouldn't be surprised to see them both given a go. I think Reguilon will get the first bite of the cherry because Conte trusts him and also he stays fit, whereas Sessegnon has a few games, Mm. breaks down, and we don't see him for another month. Yeah. It'll be interesting. I like them both. I think if there were our two options on that side next season, I wouldn't complain. Equally, if we upgraded on one of them, I'd be yeah. pleased too. I think, firstly, it's interesting that Joe mentioned that Reguilon's got a lot more top-flight experience because he doesn't have that much more top-flight experience. I think there's around about... Mm. I, I just kind of did a quick maths on a, on a beer mat, and I think between <laughs> the La Liga and Premier League, Reguilon's got just under 100 appearances. And between the Premier League with Fulham and obviously you guys and the Bundesliga with Hoffenheim, Sessegnon's got Mm. around about 75. So it's not that much more experience. And I think one of the key things is, I honestly believe that if Sessegnon gets 10 games in a row, he'll be better than regular. Interesting. But the question is, if he can get 10 games in a row because of the fact that you have two and he'll rotate and will he stay fit? Mm. Exactly, Tags. I think that's fair. I think that's probably the thinking a lot of Spurs fans who voted in that poll will have applied. For what it's worth, Sessegnon did look not ready from the Premier League in his year with Fulham in the Premier League, which is fine. He was a teenager and Fulham were rubbish, absolutely trash. So you can't expect miracles from him. He also played in about 16 Mm. different positions as well. So yeah, I, I think that's forgivable. I think the other thing is even his Hoffenheim spell, even though he did improve in that spell, he didn't really pull up any trees. Whereas the year mm. that we signed Regulon off the back of, he was absolutely brilliant for Sevilla. He won the Europa League with them as well. And it was seen as something of a coup. He broke into the Spain setup too, and it seemed as something of a coup when we signed him. He's probably not been at the level for us that we expected him to be, to tell you the truth. But I do think... Even even if top flight, we'd say they're almost level in terms of experience. I think in terms of top level, Regulon probably has the greater amount, but that's still playing mainly as a left back, not as a left wing back, which is where Sessegnon has the trump cards. And I am inclined actually to agree with you that I think if Sessegnon gets a run, stays fit, gets his confidence mm. up, there's a very good chance that it would be transformative and he'd become the better player. Are we there or not? It's all about where the manager's trust level lies because as the cliche goes, it's the business end of the season and mm. results are all that matter now. Yeah, I think it's interesting and still blows my mind that Ryan Sassagnoni is still only 21. Um, <laughs> uh, he's, he's played 107, mm. 176 professional first-team games and he's 21. How many first-team games had Phil Foden played mm. by that time? Yeah. It's crazy. I keep forgetting that Kulusevsky is only 21 because he just doesn't look it. <laughs> and he doesn't play like a 21-year-old. I mean that as a compliment, yeah, by piping, the way. He, just, he plays like on a mature... The yeah, yeah Kulisevsky looks like he should be hunting down John Connor. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a segue into this stat. I just want to read it out because it's throwing back to the Harry Kane is quite good theme. Harry Kane is in the top five in Europe for combined goals and assists in the company of Mo Salah, Kylian Mbappe, Karim Benzema and Robert Lewandowski, which is a pretty rarefied air. But compared to those guys, in terms of their successful long passes, the second most is 67 long passes from Karim Benzema. Kane has 123 successful long passes. And he's actually very comparable to, to Messi in those stats. So basically, the point I'm trying to make is that we basically have Lionel Messi in our team. 
but with an aerial presence on top. You think that's fair, Dave? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that sounds legit. He's quite good, isn't he? That sounds yeah? legit. Brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think that, that's enough kissing the asses of all of I our players. I think we need but... to have a couple of episodes where, other than describing a goal he scores, or if he has <laughs> some kind of... Where he punches the ref or something. We just don't discuss Harry Kane. It's getting a bit pointless right now. It is. And the more we talk about (laughs) it, the more we're going to tempt people to talk about his lack of trophies and how he needs to move away and sign for someone. I saw a tweet that made me laugh actually on that point. It was something like, Scott McTominay is 26 now and he's never won a major trophy. Isn't it time he moved to a bigger club? (laughs) I like that one. It's true. That was quite funny. It's true though. I mean, no one says stuff like that though. Why is no one saying Bruno Fernandes needs to leave Manchester United to win a trophy? They're worse than us. No. They certainly are worse than us. And on that point, I think it's worth mentioning, we talked about a great result for Leeds. We talked about a great result for Spurs in our victory. Been a lot of great results for Spurs elsewhere recently as well. Obviously, Arsenal, when we had the last podcast, we, were, we had a live update, Elio and I, when we were watching the game halfway through and we saw Crystal Palace dismantle them. Uh, and they've just lost to Bryson as well. In a game that, from my understanding, they were quite unlucky to lose, but they lost nonetheless. And then, of course, Man United, West Ham. It's all going our way at the moment, isn't it, Joe? It is. Who was it that shared that photo of the London bus that had Crystal Palace 3, number 3, and then <laughs> Arsenal scrawled yeah. on the zero? Vandalism at its finest was the tagline. Yeah, yeah, that was <laughs> that spectacular was work. I don't want to endorse, you know, vandalism, but that was funny. <laughs> if you're going to do it, do yeah, that. Yeah, I'm really confused because I thought Arsenal looked amazing a couple of weeks ago. And, and once they got into fourth with a game in hand over us, I, I really... I really couldn't see how we were going to get in the top four because they mm. forget the game in hand. They were just playing so much better than us and everyone else. And the Palace result was bizarre. I must admit, I didn't watch that game and I don't recall watching the highlights. So I don't really know the story there. But the, the Brighton defeat, I, mm. I was listening to like the last 10 minutes of Radio 5 to try and track what was going on. So I was desperately hoping Brighton could cling on and they did. Yeah, Arsenal have got Saints this coming weekend and I've been looking at their fixtures they've, they've got a horrible run of fixtures after Saints um, mm. Chelsea, oh, Chelsea Man United West Ham Leeds Spurs that's great for us those playing each other yeah it's fantastic so mm. uh, and, and the Arsenal players looked really crestfallen at the end of the Brighton game mm. I, I don't really understand what's happened to them I don't know if anyone else has been following them more closely but their, their form so, really has gone I didn't think they were playing that well when they were winning I just think that they were beating teams that you'd hope they'd be beating and their manager was just being semi-competent and not Frank Lampard so they were winning those games I think <laughs> I think Dave liked that I, I, I know I did that just for him but mm. I think the Palace game was a really dangerous game for them in the same way that it was for us earlier on in the season as well because Palace are a side with some very very talented players and can actually take a team apart when they click and that's just what they did to Arsenal and they deserve to win that Mm. game too I also think that you you kind of have to chuckle that Arsenal got the game against us postponed because of (laughs) the African Cup of Nations and their injury issues and the fact that they had a few too many players on loan and one COVID case and now all of a sudden they're playing us and we're actually much stronger than we were back then and they're Mm. actually even we than they were at that point so um well done yeah. Mikel. you reap what you sow genius work you dickhead <laughs> <laughs> wasn't expecting that at the end of there um hot take coming at yeah. you arsenal mm. have managed to drag themselves back to where they were just about when wenger left 
Whereas they have okay. got some decent players, they play some decent football, they're relatively flat track bullies, they beat the teams they're supposed to beat, and they fold whenever yeah. something relatively scary comes in front of them. It's been an absolute... Wh- when did Wenger leave? 2017, 18? 20 years ago. <laughs> I think we'd finished above them once or twice at that point, so it would be it's, yeah, 2018, I think. It's, it's, they've wasted mm. four years, basically, and they're, yep. and they're back to where they were. But, you know... Maybe yeah. Arteta, Arteta will, will keep that onward trajectory and they'll be in the Champions League next season. I, I don't think for so. Arsenal, anyone? <laughs> next year? I would love it. Imagine no, they, sacking they need a, a manager, mate. Yeah. They need a manager. Imagine sacking a really good manager like Unai Emery and watching him go mm. off and win a European trophy and probably get... With all our players. Yeah, with Spurs players there. And, <laughs> and you're stuck with Lego Man. I mean, it's <laughs> it's... I would feel sorry for them if they're any other club. Yeah, it's a process. process. I'm hesitant to laugh at Arsenal too much because we all know what can go wrong. But on paper and just looking at it objectively, I mean... But even if they do claw their way above us, even if they do claw their way above us, I mean, they're horrible to watch. It's basically Mourinho light. It's... (laughs) I mean, I'll I'll say it now. Bukayo Saka needs to leave Arsenal to win trophies. Emile Smith-Rowe needs to leave (laughs) Arsenal to win trophies. They don't we'll have any him. other good players. Uh, Odegaard needs to leave for Arsenal again, to win trophies. We need backup for Kulusevski. Saka should join us what? and sit on the bench. I've said what do you think? I'll say it again. I can't, I can't see Saka at Arsenal in two years' time. No. He's, he's, mm. he's a ready made replacement for Raheem Sterling, as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Where are those rumours? Where are all the ex players saying that he needs to leave? Let's have some more of that, no, shall we? Because um, they're such a one man team. So, Arsenal, they've got, I think, Partey and Tierney both injured. So, obviously, Doherty's a bit of a blow for us, but they're still probably in worse shape when it comes to injuries. And like you said, the fixture list is is pretty tough for them. They also don't have a striker. They don't have a striker, no, and we've got three. It made me laugh. There's a, a Twitter account I follow called The XG Philosophy, which, Elio, I'm sure you have absolutely no interest in, but they posted the XG from the game, and apparently Arsenal were running away with it on the XG. And Brighton, the official Brighton account, commented underneath saying, we've been there, we know how you feel, mate, or something like that. And of course, Brighton are our next opponents who, and no terrible jokes about them being on the beach like earlier, but they are potentially somewhat on the beach, but clearly still capable of getting results. Is there much to say about that game, Elio, in terms of any pitfalls? I mean, it's the old thing we've been saying every week, isn't it? We should beat them. We probably will beat them. We just need to keep our heads about us. Precisely that. It's a shame we don't have Doherty. I think that the game against Brighton will be interesting because they're a team that does press but without trying to crock you. Neil Mope is an absolute little when he wants to be real thorn in the side mm. of opponents. But he's actually a player that I think is severely underrated. I actually always watch him and think, yeah, that's a decent player. I wouldn't mind having you in our squad as sort of a, an off-the-bench option to, to rattle the opposition. And he's scored more goals than people realise this season as well. I think he's got 10 or 11, which for a Brighton forward isn't bad. Mm. Players like Trossard and Lamptey are decent players as well. That said, yeah, if we've done all this work over the last few weeks and gotten us to where we are, to then lose at home to Brighton, I'll be very disappointed. Fair. Joe, I trust you've had a little look at the table. And obviously, we are now fairly ahead of Arsenal. A few games to go until we play them. So we've got Bryson, we've got Brentford, we've got Leicester, we've got Liverpool, and then it's Arsenal. If I had to get you to go out on a limb and predict where we will be in relation to Arsenal by the time we play them at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on the 12th of May, do you think it's going to be all to play for? Do you think we might be home clear by then? Dare I suggest? Yeah. Where would you I mean, predict? The, the, I mean, there's no there's, there's no other way to put it. The, the fixtures really favour Tottenham this month. Ends in a slightly tough place, I guess. That's when do we play Liverpool? Seventh of May. Three games. That's three games away. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it starts to get interested by April in that case. Mm. But um, 
if Arsenal's form continues to be as poor as it is going into this really nasty run of the fixtures mm. and, and I think Saints they really should be beating Saints this coming weekend so let's assume that they get three points there with our run of fixtures if we could be three point three and a half points ahead of them because our goal difference which was worse than theirs about three games ago is now ridiculous is it ten <laughs> our goal difference is crazy ten better than them? Of them we're scoring five goals every game so. we've got 19 and they've got nine as goal difference we're yeah. I think we've got the fourth best in the league goal difference and goal difference yeah. is actually a very good indicator of where teams will finish a lot of the time as well you, you very mm. rarely see teams finish that far apart from where their goal difference says they should particularly if the goal yeah. scored is the higher one of those two I think that's a point isn't it that's as good as a point it is we're above Arsenal by rights now even if they win yeah. their game in hand against Chelsea assuming they're not going to win it 10-0 then we're still above <laughs> them I mean yeah and it's worth mentioning that they go to Chelsea around the same time give or take a week then we go to Liverpool so we've both got our really tough away game that you can write off you'd imagine that there's a good chance both teams will lose that and we you know, we might get a result there but you can kind of match those against One each other and the rest of the games I will say our yeah. game against Liverpool is on the mm. 7th of May which is a Saturday Saturday so that game is either three or four days after the Champions League semi-finals depending Mm. on whether it's on the Tuesday or Wednesday and I think Liverpool are quite likely to be in that semi-final tie given their first leg win over Benfica on top of that that is the second of the two semi-final rounds as well so assuming Liverpool don't absolutely batter one of the four best teams in Europe in the home leg okay they might they are Liverpool I think that even that match isn't as cut and dry in favour of Liverpool as you'd usually fear that they're going to have a lot going on at that point and if they're they've just had a Champions League semi-final and they've still Mm. got a chance of winning the league they're going to be emotionally absolutely stretched so so let's Mm. see what happens there I'm I'm not even looking at that with as much fear as I should be given that we always lose at Anfield (laughs) And let's not forget, we actually arguably outplayed them when we played them at home earlier in the season. We had a really good performance against them, but we actually played quite well against them. Um, is there any chance that the title will have been decided by the time we go there? Wishful thinking, but do you think there's any hope that Man City will have actually secured it by then, or is is it a bit too soon I for that? I think Liverpool are going to win the title. I wouldn't bet against it. And, and in fact, looking at... I've got a table here of the last 10 games, basically the league table in the last 10 games. Liverpool have won every game but the Man City draw which was away, can't really do much better than that. We're actually second on form. If the league started 10 games ago, we would be second ahead of Man City, ahead of Chelsea. Arsenal were down in sixth and Leeds are in 16th. Dave, over the last 10 games, which, you know, out of the relegation, I will take it. Sort of counts. But yeah, I mean, the way Liverpool are going, if anything, you probably have to make them favourites on, on this trajectory. But by the same token, we're absolutely flying. And dare I say it, it's in our hands to get it over the line. Let's see what happens. We've still Let's got a see. few games in between then and we have just lost Doherty, so... We have, who is our most important player. I assume he was the one man that Paul Merson was talking about when he said we were a one-man team. Almost definitely. Must have been talking about Matt Doherty, yeah. Right, well, look, unless there's anything else in particular to get onto, we can get into Challenge Elio this week now that we've actually got a full team for once. Anything else that's worth mentioning? Any tweets that have caught your attention or just any general points to make before we get onto some Challenge Elio, guys? Not overly. No? It's probably worth mentioning, actually, now that uh, I think about it. We did get another email, Joe, from your dad in response to our chat last time about do, how do footballers are making us all feel old. Do you talk to your dad? Or do you just talk through... <laughs> just be really dad, awkward. Don't need to now. <laughs> yeah, just, I just... No, no. just updates me. 
I think from now when you read out Mike Brooker emails, you need to put on a voice and we need to have some music playing in the background. <laughs> I'll work on that for next time, shall I? Uh, basically, in response to us last week saying how we feel old because we're seeing all these footballers that are young enough to be our kids, he goes, I couldn't really feel too sorry for you when you were bemoaning the fact that Dane Scarlett, etc., are young enough to be your son, already a professional footballer of a decent standing. Imagine what it's like when someone's young enough to be your son's son. <laughs> <laughs> fair point, fair point, Mike. We, we should probably, you know, consider our, our audience on that one, but, but nevertheless, we'll, we'll move on. Brilliant, well, look, as always, if you want to get in touch with us, it'd be great to read out some comments that weren't from Joe's dad. And that's not to say we don't love all of his emails, but it'd be good to get a bit of variety and hear some more followers' thoughts and feelings on Spurs and everything going on and, and just what our hopes are for the rest of the season and your take on the game and, and the upcoming games and the race for the top four. So please get in touch with us. Get on Twitter. We've got a lot of followers now. Every week we're getting more and more. Elio's been causing a bit of a stir with some of his tweets, as he likes to do. And we're starting to gather a bit of a following. And uh, you can find us at Plus Dave Podcast on Twitter and Instagram you can email us at plushdaypodcast at gmail.com as well so please 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 get in touch follow us check all that stuff out and uh, let us know your thoughts right so to Challenge Elio if you're new you will like to know that Challenge Elio is the portion of our show where we do a trivia game and it takes the format of Elio versus the world because as we've recently established Elio is the world's greatest pundit and our resident Spurs expert so Elio is confident enough to think that he can take on the collective intellectual might of Joe and Dave on matters of Spurs and beyond. Now, of course, we must remind you that Dave isn't technically a Spurs fan, but he still is working on the same team as Joe. And we're going to have one question that relates to Spurs, one question that relates to just general football, and then we finish off with the Who Am I game, which is pretty self-explanatory. I'm going to give some clues. You guys are going to guess who the player is I'm talking about, and it's going to be an ex-Spurs player or a current Spurs player. But to the first question this week, guys, and the first question this week is going to be our non-Spurs related one. And I've gone with a theme of potent attacking trios, which I think is very timely given how impressive our front three have been. What I would like you guys to do is to try and name as many as possible of the top 10 most prolific front threes or just threes in a team from the 21st century in English football. So basically... The three players that in one season, in all competitions, scored the most goals combined and go through a top 10. And the way I'll do it is if you name a player that is, and a lot of them do appear more than once, so it won't be a surprise. If you name a player that does appear, I'll tell you where they appear, but I won't tell you who they're with. You can try and work it out. But keep notes. You're going to have to take notes on this one. Is everyone getting this? I've, I appreciate this is one of our more complicated ones, but do you follow where I'm going with this one? Yeah. I hate this already. <laughs> I know you do. You hate all of them, Elio. Every week. And then you win. So don't complain. Just as a quick bonus point, can anyone name the, the anyone name the most prolific front three in all of European football in the twenty first century? Um, not Premier League, then. Not Premier League. Surely BBC. it's Messi, Villa, nope. and um, nope. no. So, for for example, I would then tell you that Messi is correct, but Villa Messi, is wrong. Messi, so Henri, No, no, more recent. Messi, Neymar, Suarez. That's correct. Messi, Neymar and Suarez in 15-16. They combined for 131 goals in all competitions. Uh, most of which were actually Suarez. 59, 41 with Messi and 31 with Neymar. And Not that enough. is that's top. And you have to go down to number 14 to find a trio that appears in the Premier League. That's how dominant the La Liga trios have been. It's pretty much all various combinations of Messi and someone or Cristiano Messi Ronaldo and two. someone, as as is not surprising. Yeah, and um, yeah, you can go all the way down to number 14 to find the first one in the Premier League. But there are a top 10 that I've got written down here. So I'd like you guys to take in turns to just name players. And it's up to you. You can try and name all three. 
But bear in mind, if you name three and two of them are right, I will say which two are right, which might give your opponent a chance to take the third one easily and have a tap in. So you might have to think about it. Um, so it's Joe and Dave versus Elio. Who's going to go first? Can I go first this week? You are really nice, Elio, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have minded a please, but I'll let you go first. <laughs> please, may I go first? <laughs> you may. You may, Elio. You can go first. You're, you're on your own after all. Fine. Can I go with a trio of Harry Kane, Deli Ali, and Hugh Minson? You can. And I can tell you that all three of those are correct. Can you name the season? That would have been in the 16-17 season. That's correct. I'm going to keep going with this. Can you name how many goals they scored? How close can you get? Combined. I, I know their league goals. I don't know their the This is all competitions. competitions. Um, it's a start, by the way. Educated guess. I'm going to go with 80 goals between the three of them in all competitions. 78, Elio. You're miles <laughs> off. Miles off. 35 from Kane, 22 from Delhi, 21 from Son. I will say, and this is staying true to my rules and perhaps giving a bit of a tap into your opponents, Kane and Son also appear in another trio or somewhere on this list. So all you have to do is name that other player. Or Elio may well do on his next turn, so no pressure. How many are we trying to name in total again? There ten. are 10 in total. Yeah. There are 10, but obviously there are a lot of repeat players, so it might not take that long. Cool. This is this is very experimental. I'm not really sure how this is going to go, but that seems to be the theme every week. I feel this is going to be a Normally real challenge it doesn't go for you, Dags, great. to actually keep up with the names. <laughs> you <laughs> I, haven't mentioned this I'm one. not taking notes. I'm oh, no. trusting someone else to take notes here. I write the questions. Someone else has to you know, manage them. Elio is normally quite good at writing down the notes because he wants to pounce on the first mistake I make, which will be inevitable. So, Joe, Dave, are you going to try and find the missing man from that trio that contains Kane and Son? What did Elio say? Sorry, I wasn't paying attention to it. Elio said, <laughs> you zoned out after my long-winded introduction. I knew he was going to uh, say Elio something said about Kane, Spurs. Delhi. Elio said Kane, Delhi, and Son, which was the trio from 16-17 that combined for 78 goals in all competitions. Kane and Son also feature in another one of the top 10, along with a mystery man that if you can name, you will get a point. Well, Joe and I have got have been, have been WhatsApping like crazy. So, <laughs> Good, uh, and we I haven't mentioned Spurs because you know I don't know anything about Spurs. Joe, let's go with one of ours, unless you know exactly who that Spurs player is. I mean, if I were you, and I'm not trying to get too involved in this, I would try and get this one because I suspect if you don't, Elio will have it happen. We got like five or six lined up. Okay. Don't worry about us. Why, why don't you try one? Why is there? Why every time you try and help them? Why this isn't even <laughs> Elio, a Spurs take it question. as a compliment. Take it as a compliment. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm saying they need help. I'm saying they need help. This is like the referee booking all the Spurs players in the Villa game, trying to level it up a bit. Mm. Joe, go on. Who are you going for, Joe? Do you want me to go for the one you thumbsed up (laughs) emojied? That sounds official enough. It was two thumbs up. That was how confident. (laughs) You can't. You can't say no to two thumbs up. All right. Can we go for Rooney, Ronaldo, Tevez? Oh, you're not going to go for the Spurs one. Interesting. Rooney, Ronaldo, and Tevez is a correct answer. Very good. All three appeared in one of these trios. Can you tell me the year? You got the points anyway, but just for fun. I presume it'll be 07-08. It was 07-08. And they only actually managed one more goal between them than that previous trio, 79. These are all actually quite closely packed. So yeah, that is one of the trios out of the way. And now that you've mentioned those three, let me just double check to see if any of them appear elsewhere. They do not, surprisingly. That none of them none appear of them, elsewhere. None of them appear elsewhere. Nailed I mean, it. They only, Nailed yeah. it, I guess Ronaldo, I thought that- Ronaldo only really had one really high-scoring season, mm. didn't he? And then Tevez was not there long. So it was almost yeah. like a pointless answer. We should get 100 points. <laughs> hey, you got the points. Just be right. grateful. It's over to Elio. Can I go? Are you going to try and clean up on the other one with Kane and Son? 
Kane, Son and Bale. That is not the right answer. And oh, whilst Jesus. Bale, <laughs> and whilst Bale does, <laughs> and whilst Bale does appear very high in the overall European list, playing for Real Madrid in several very prolific trios, he does not appear on this list anywhere. I'd have thought last season Kane, Son and Bale would have done it. Mm. Oh. Actually, yeah, that, that's surprising. And it wouldn't shock me if they did, and this is just entirely wrong. For the record, my, my source is transfer-marked. Yeah, we could so you be can blame just, them it could be just and Son, Kane and Son not having big seasons and Bale being good. Yeah. Mm. But no, he Whereas is not. This, it is not Kane, and Son and Bale. Are you... Kane and Son having big seasons and somebody else scoring five goals. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to go for the missing man in that trio, or are you going to go for a different trio, Joe and Dave? Go on, Dave. Go for our Kane, Son. I make it one all. Kane, Son, Kane, Son and Lucas Moura. That is not the right answer. So it goes back <sighs> over to Elio. We could be here a while, Elio. Bad at spot Spurs, so that's fine. <laughs> Here's a question for you. On, yeah. on this list, does the same trio appear twice in any season? Great question. And the answer is yes. One trio does appear twice. So if you get that trio, that's a double pointer. Okay, so that rules out it being Kane, Son and Delhi again. Thank you. That's what I was going oh, no, for. I told you if, uh, I would have told you if that was the case. But yeah, good um, question. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> We'd have been here like half an hour and I'd be like, nope. <laughs> oh, I, it was I the wouldn't same put one. That past you either. No, I know. I'm not that mean. But you are pretty mean. Mm. Um Kane had an absolutely monstrous year in 17-18 as well. I'm just trying to think who our next top goal scorer in all competitions would have been. And if mm. it wasn't Delhi and it wasn't Lucas, it wouldn't have been Lucas, he only signed that January. I'm going to go for Kane, Son and Ericsson. That is the right answer. Very good. Kane, Son and Ericsson. Kane did have a monstrous I'm year. I'm screwed now because there's no more Spurs ones. Yeah, exactly. Here we go. This is this is where we separate the men from the boys. Uh, Kane got 41 goals that season. Yeah. Son had a measly 18 and Ericsson chipped in with 14 of his own for a combined 73 in 17-18. Very good. That's number 10 on the list. So we've had the two Spurs ones, which is a pretty good showing from Spurs. You know, you'll never sing that. Two of the top 10 trios. So back over to Joe and Dave. Um, we've had three of the trios now. At this point, I think we're probably going to be picking off individual players quite likely, but let's see how we get on. Who are you going to go Joe for? Joe, shall I go? Yeah, go for the the last one. Uh, let's go for the, the other guys in North London. <laughs> let's go for Henri, Pires and Bergkamp. Do not appear on this list. None At of all? them. None of those wow. three are in a trio. None of them appear? No. Henri doesn't appear in a oh, wow. I mean, Henri himself has Henri scored. Henri and Perez no. were like top two no, no. goal scorers I mean, for like three seasons. Look, I'm just telling you the, the, the facts here. Henri himself would have competed I, with a lot of these highest individuals, but I think he was, I think that was the real one-man team, clearly. Henri did carry Mercer Arsenal needs to have for a, look a long at himself. time, to be yeah. fair. Mercer needs to have a think about who the one-man team really is. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, we're, we're in this twice with trios. No, that's that's not one. there. Elio, go Henry, for it. Henri, Will Tord, well, well, and well. own goals. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's last this season. Spurs, own goals, Kane and so on. I'm going to go with yep. Aguero, yep. Sterling, mm-hmm. and De Bruyne. Ooh, so now it gets messy because Aguero and Sterling do appear on two of these trios. Aguero <laughs> independently appears on his own one elsewhere <laughs> and De Bruyne is nowhere. So Aguero appears three times in total. He does. Twice with Sterling, once with two others. So keep notes. I was going to tell you the years that he's related to, but I don't think I need to. I don't know if it would even help that much either without the Spurs ones. So back over to Joe and Dave. Elio's given you a bit of help there potentially. It's like um, that old, uh, what was it, minefield game where... Minesweeper. You'd click on one square and get (laughs) like tons revealed. Yeah, this is plus Dave Minesweeper. Minesweeper, that's it. Mm. Um, Dave, I'm thinking 
sticking with City here. Yeah, so go for it. Treasure Trove. Okay. It's almost too many options. Um, you only need to necessarily name one player, really. Yeah. And if you name the one player, you actually... Yeah, you, you, you're helping them enough. It's like I'm just telling them the rules. They heard the rules. It's not your problem if they remember it. <laughs> Guys, I think Elio feels threatened. No, I don't think it's that, because that would have been mm. last season, wouldn't it? Are you texting each Sorry, other Man City chat, players? That's fine. You're getting, you're getting 50% of a conversation. Dave, <laughs> do you want to go for um, one of our early options? Well, let's think about it. Yeah, should we go with the Chelsea yeah. trio? Okay, who are we going for? Drogba, Robin, Lampard. Drogba is on the list. Lampard joins him in a trio, but no Robin. Do they both only appear the one time together? No other appearances? Good question. And the answer is yes. They only appear on one trio, Drogba and Lampard. So there's a missing man there. Are you going to try and tap that one in, are you? Your face says you're tempted. I know that they scored an absolutely silly amount of goals in Mourinho's second season. Mm. But I feel like that was before Drogba ever had a particularly decent season in front of goal. But I know Lampard was absolutely ridiculous then. Um, He's still ridiculous. I'm going to sidestep. I'm going to sidestep that for now. Okay. And for Aguero and Sterling, I'm going to add Gundogan to that list. <laughs> That's left field. He's not there, I'm afraid. There's no Gundogan. Uh, so it goes back to Joe and Dave. He's their top, left field. He was their top scorer last season. Yeah, actually, to be fair, he did have a good season. I take it back. Did Aguero score that many last season? Though, I think. Uh, Dave, Joe, it's over to you. So you've got a couple of potential half-completed ones or you can just go from square one and try and think of a completely new trio. I'm going quite left field now with uh, Man City suggestions. Man City is such a difficult team to just remember who scores their goals. It's just like us right now, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, if it's not Kane. Yeah. Who is it? Is it it, it Doherty? Is it Kudosiewski? Is it own goals? It could be anyone. Romero. Romero, yeah, you know. Pretty soon Hugo will chip in with a few. Who are you going for? Um... Yeah, Dave, go for your Chelsea suggestion. Mm. Um, okay, yeah, my Chelsea suggestion. Unless <sighs> I don't know. Do, do don't you want to go for um, maybe Not go for the city idea? I was thinking the same thing. Okay, so Aguero, Sterling, and David Silva. That is not the right answer. No David Silva on this list, I'm afraid. Elio. Okay. Aguero, <laughs> Sterling, and Gabriel Jesus. That's the right answer. Well done. And that's two points because that exact trio appears twice. Oh, wow. We have Aguero, Sterling and Jesus in 18-19 with 78 goals. Aguero with 32, Sterling with 25, Jesus with 21. It's pretty outrageous. And in 1920, Sterling with 31, Aguero 23, Jesus 23. Gabriel Jesus has got a lot more goals than people give him credit for, I think. Yeah. He is an underrated player. He'll probably start yeah. for Brazil at the World Cup as well. He'd start for most Premier League teams and mm. get double figures every season, in my opinion. Yeah. Will he start for Brazil? I think he plays on the right is it for him, them. Is it him Him on the right, Neymar in the middle? Yeah, I think they vary it a bit. Sometimes they've got Firmino, sometimes they've got Richarlison up front. The main striker. Neymar's on the Paqueta. left. But I think he's he's their right side Rafinha of attacker, the generally. When he started playing there for City. You mean they're not City. playing Carlos Vinicius? <laughs> yeah, Vinicius. Vinicius Jr. Injured. starts. No, no, he said Carlos Vinicius. Vinicius oh. Jr. does play, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Vinicius Jr. does get some game time for them, I think, and especially after the season he's had, so yeah. Right. I'm 4-1 up now. You are. That was one a double That was a Garen. double whammy. That was powerful. I might have to give them some help now, Elia. No, no help. I don't think you need help. I don't think these are all, you know, that difficult to think up necessarily. How many have we named? Five. 
four, seven. four plus one. Oh, set. <laughs> we've got seven combinations started. All oh, right. The two combinations remaining are Aguero by himself at the moment yep. and Drogba and Lampard. Ah, uh, yes. Well summarised. Let's do Drogba, Lampard, and Danelka. Very good, Joe. That is correct. Uh, well, that Dave, is, you, you get that point. There's that's literally actually an number... audit trail <laughs> saying that Dave suggested it. <laughs> that's <laughs> It's number two in this list, but it's actually joint with two others. So Drogba, Drogba had 37. That must have been by far and away his biggest season. Lampard with 27 and Anelka with 15 in 09-10. So that and is that the only time any of those three appear? Yes, it is. That's the only time any of those three appear. And that wasn't Mourinho, was it? That was after. Who would have been 09 and 10? Oh, well, it doesn't matter. All that matters is that Joe got a point and it's 4-2. And back to Elio. Aguero. Yep. Yaya Toure. Mm-hmm. And who would have been a third person in that side to, to score a lot of goals? Aguero, Yaya Toure, and David Silva. I did already tell you that David Silva doesn't appear on the list, oh, you by did. the way. You did. But I can tell you that Aguero and Toure is correct. So Toure is in that trio. Over to you, Joe and Dave. We were discussing Yaya. Mm. Uh, do you want to go down the Liverpool route? Yep. Um, yep. Salah, Mane, Firmino. I'm shocked it's taken this long. Yeah, so am one. I. I put they an exclamation have... mark when I, yeah. when I said Liverpool trios. They are comfortably top of this list. They're only 14th overall in Europe, but they are top of this list by a wide margin. They had 91 between them, 44 from Salah, 27 from Firmino, he was actually second, and Mane with 20 in 17-18. They were ridiculous that season. Mm. The only ridiculous. surprising thing is that they're only in this once. I thought they'd have been that had a couple of seasons in this list. Mm. But yep, they are very much there. So we're now missing the Man City one, and then two more, two more. Yeah, Elio. Suarez, mm. Gerrard, and oh, my mind's blank completely. I'm going to go Suarez, Gerrard, and Sterling. I think I'm wrong. They're not on there. And I imagine it would have been Sturridge probably would have been the other one in that season. Oh, yeah. it, was, it was SAS, wasn't it? But no, shockingly, oh, yeah. they're not on there, which is a good guess. Okay. I would have thought they'd be in there, but no. They scored fewer than Son Kane and Eriksen in 17-18. I forgot that Sturridge even existed. Yeah, well, he went off a cliff, didn't he? But no, good guess, though. I like that one. Joe Dave, back to you. We have, what, two, two remaining? Three. Is it, is it Three one of which is a great... Oh, yeah, we've got the Aguero and, and Yaya Toure and Mystery Man. We've got the City one. Let's have it. We're going to go for Edin Dzeko. That's the right answer. Very good. He's clawing his way back. Edin Dzeko, who had 26 goals in 13 14, along with Aguero's 28 and Toure's 24. What a season that was for Yaya Toure. Outrageous that year. So, yeah. You've drawn level. You have. You've drawn level. For all. Um, hmm. Where's your mind taking you? Trying to think who's got far in Europe in various seasons because that's obviously mm. a big boost to these numbers. Um, is it? Is it two complete blanks we've got? Yeah, two complete blanks. Is this from two thousand? I hear that. This right. is from two thousand. Yeah, twenty yeah. first century. So yeah, none of the two trios have been mentioned yet. What are we thinking? It's hard because you've taken out so much Manchester United by saying none of Rooney, Ronaldo, and Tevez appear at any other point, mm. and. And Manchester United stopped being good a fair while ago now, so that that's taking out a lot of strike combinations. Um, ah, I'm I'm very much stumped at the moment. You might hit one or two. It's kind of like it's more like battleships than minesweeper, isn't it? Yeah, I'm wondering if there's any more Spurs in there or not. I don't think there is. 
I know you wouldn't I, I want think... me to give you any more clues, Elio, so I shall refrain. I don't want any more clues. Um, Eden Hazard, Diego Costa, and Pedro. Swing and a miss, I'm afraid. None on there. None of them. None of them. Good guess. Good guess, but none of them. Dave Joe, are you struggling here? Partnerships. It has has to do your question, Joe. Mm. Hell no. (laughs) Can we hear that question later? Well, it was Leeds with a question mark. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was wondering if um, sort of Viduka Smith Boya. Boya. Might have. uh, I don't think so. That might have been the highest XBL in Premier League history. Well, yeah, quite. (laughs) Top red card trios this is, isn't it? That'll be next week. That'll be Ramos a good one, actually. Plus yeah. any, <laughs> Ram- any Ramos, Ramos and two players who didn't even get a card. Ramos single-handedly. I feel like we should say that now, just to double-check that I don't get embarrassed. All right, okay. But I would probably... Oh, no. Smith did well, score a few goals. Tempted to swap out Boya for Kuehl. Mm. Should we go with it? For a laugh? Yeah, who do you want? What, what three are you going for? Viduka, Smith and Kuehl. All wrong, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you were right, Dave. Just wanted you to You were check. right, <laughs> Elio. I love, I love the doubt that crept into your mind the longer that went on. <laughs> well, I missed out on um, Viduka, didn't I? On uh, there's on probably the there's probably a part of you thinking I would have tailored the quiz to include leads. Mm. I've, yeah, I've, yeah. I've, I've, I've overestimated your uh, <laughs> yeah. quiz string. Yeah, I, I might neglect to accurately attain the stats, but I don't make them up, despite what Elio might think. Dags, um, how yeah. difficult are these two that are left? I wouldn't say... I, I'd be surprised if you don't hit one or two and then it should hopefully lead you in the right direction. Oh, I'm, okay. I think you'll get there. So a clue might spoil it? No, you don't need clues. You'll be fine. Yeah. Elio, where is your mind right now? Or are you keeping your cards close to your chest? Have I disturbed you from a Google? <laughs> <laughs> We're level pegging at the moment. Fernando Torres, mm-hmm. Steven Gerrard, and... Who would they have had up front in that side? Oh, I can't even remember who else they'd have. Once again, those who have a very good chance of being in it, because at least in the Premier League, they scored a buttload together, didn't they? God, who did Liverpool have up front with Torres? They didn't. They had Torres and Gerrard playing off him, and it all went through then, didn't it? Dirk count? So you should have remembered that there's already no Gerrard, and there's also <laughs> none of the other two, I'm afraid. I'm, I'm only writing down <laughs> the ones that you um, no, that, say I mean, we don't have. That is a good guess, but yeah, just remember, if you said someone mm. already, I would have told you if they appear in any trio. Fair enough. So no Gerard anywhere, no Torres anywhere, no Dirk Kite. It's getting a bit tricky now, guys, isn't it? We've still got two questions to go as well. Which decade is it? Noughties or 2010s? Oh. What do you think, Elio? Do we need a clue? Uh, I think we keep going for a little while longer <laughs> before we have cues. You mean wait until your turn and then you get a clue, yeah? No, no, no. no. <laughs> I don't want a clue either. I don't think you need clues. This is the thing. I think your, your mind will go the right direction and it'll suddenly be a bit easier it's not obvious by any means but i think you could work it out once you just get a foot in the door what are we thinking are you are you frantically what's happening I'm, ama- I'm amazed that rooney only came up the once that's the amazing thing mm. yeah considering mm. he was there the whole so many years as their top scorer he's very unselfish as well mm. like he'd make a lot of goals oh, that season with van persie you'd have thought maybe would have been higher up mm. I was thinking Van Persie. I was thinking Sorry. kind of. I shouldn't be naming players, I feel, should I? Because I'm like giving I, away. I was. I was thinking of dipping into Man United. Sorry, mm. scum. But um, <laughs> then I thought a bit earlier. What about Rude Van Nistelrooy? Mm. I was thinking him as well. Paul Scholes. Mm. Beckham. That's a very interesting answer, Dave. <laughs> you haven't got any points. 
but you have named two of both of the trios. You might have just screwed yourself a bit there. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, Van Nistelrooy and Skulls appear together in one, and Van Nistelrooy and Beckham appear together oh, wow. in one. So, Elio. That's a good shot, wasn't it? <laughs> Dave has teed you up there with a, a Harry just, Kane-esque made, assist. It's a punch that's just made the opponent angry. <laughs> <laughs> Don't wound what you can't kill, Dave. <laughs> oh, God. That's annoying. <laughs> Oh, God. And it's f***ing on United. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I reckon you were thinking those all along. You just didn't want to dignify their players by mentioning them. Elio, big chance. A lot of pressure as well. Van Nistelrooy, yep. Skulls. Oh, when did Beckham go to Madrid? When did Beckham go to Madrid? I'm going to go Van Nistelrooy, Skulls and Louis Sahar. Not right, I'm afraid. Back to you guys. Let's keep hearing these Man United players. Van Nistelrooy, Skulls, and Giggs. Nope. Elio? There's no more clues from here on out. This is the worst quiz now. We're just naming <laughs> scum players. The worst quiz for you. We're just naming successful scum players. Great. I quite like this quiz, for what it's worth. Elio has mixed feelings by the looks of things. Van, Van Nistelrooy, Skulls, and... So they said Van Nistelrooy, Skulls, and Beckham, didn't they? Yeah, and Beckham appears on one of them. And Skulls appears on and the other. Skulls and Van Nistelrooy is in both. <sighs> Write down all the guesses we've had, by the way, if you're not already. Because I'm trying, to th- I'm trying to think how long he was there. Was he had he gone to Blackburn yet? Van Nistelrooy, Skulls, and Andy Cole. No. Come on, Dave. You love these players. Spreel them off. <laughs> these are your childhood heroes. <laughs> Joe, you're very quiet. Yeah, texting Dave. No. This is question one of the quiz. He stopped, he stopped replying to me since I just started texting Man United players. <laughs> he's on strike. He's not, he's not even reading the messages. There's yeah. no blue ticks. He conscientiously objects to this quiz now. No blue not ticks. On, I'm not clicking on them on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> he knows the answer as well. He just refuses to, to give it. Come on, guys. Let's have I, a, I think I know which season. Um, All right. I won't tell you if you're right, but what is. season do you think it is? Well, I don't want to say because I don't want to give Elio any any data points. Um, Here's a question before this comes up because hmm. it may well come up. What if someone says Vanistroy skulls and a third player, and that third player is actually the in other. the Vanistroy and Beckham? Yeah, I think I think then? I think I'll give you that because you'll have named the missing player. I only need one player. I don't need necessarily a whole trio now. Just yeah, name it. Just name a player, I, and if you get it on one of them, you'll get it. Don't enough. have to name the three now. We know who the other two are. That would be mean. And See? there's no gigs. No gigs. You said. No gigs. No gigs. I'm really surprised by that. I'm, really, I'm trying to remember who the other sort of strikers were in that era. This is in no way a criticism, by the way, guys, but I didn't expect this to go on this long. <laughs> Maybe a criticism of my own assessment of quiz difficulty, but... Oh, it's that oh. guy. Oh, it's that guy, Dave? Has that guy got a name? It's the guy that we always forget about because he never yeah, started a single game. Oli Solskjaer. Oli Solskjaer. Is correct on both. Two points oh, to David Joe. Very good. Alice <laughs> Oshar is in both of those trios. Meaning, that I know you're never going to believe me, but it's always it's always Solskjaer. It's always the last one we get right. It's always Solskjaer. You're never going to believe me, but that was going to be my next answer. You're right, I was Ellie, waiting I for them you. to get this wrong so that I could say. It's Can Solskjaer. you show us it written down? Can you show your work? Show me the notepad. Can you see that, guys? Yeah. Okay, he's written it. Fair enough. You get no points for that, Leo, but that we feel sorry Diego for you. Forlan. 
What are you on about? I don't think he ever scored, did he? Right, well, look. That was a fun game. He I enjoyed that. Dave, you are so clutch. It's unreal. <laughs> yeah, Dave, that's, that's outrageous. Right. Let's see how well you do in the next one, Dave, because the next one's actually a Spurs question, would you believe? So let's get... I can't believe well, how much Dave Ma- loves Man United. Clearly. All right. He's an expert. Let's, let's stop talking now. <laughs> Maybe we should do a Man United quiz next week just for him. In fact, all the three Man United answers there came from Dave. They did. Right. The next question is back to everyone's brand new favorite penalty shootout format. So it could, fingers crossed, be over very quickly. So if you don't know what I mean by that, we're going to basically have a sudden death penalties format. So I'm going to ask the guys to name players that appear on a certain list. And the minute somebody doesn't and the other one does, just like in penalties, you miss, the other one scores, you win the game. So it could Can be you get like, the list right this time? I, I can't make any last promises. Time, last time you found a list that massively underestimated this- <laughs> how much Aussie our dealers had played for us that's true last week you found a list that didn't have Clinton in G which was a spectacular <laughs> answer for me and actually correct he has played for Cameroon anyway, this I've year I've already made a formal apology to Son Hyun Min I don't need to make one to you as well but no or yes, to Aussie Ardiles no in fairness you're not wrong I did make some mistakes but I blame my sources okay I've, I've already got my Clinton hands Clinton in G Clinton NG was an exceptional answer. It was. Answer it, last was. Week. it doesn't make up for the fact that you just lost to Joe and Dave, but it was still a good answer. So well <laughs> done. Right. So, what I would like you to do is take turns to try and name a player who has, in all competitions, been Tottenham Hotspur's top scorer in any given season since 1960 61. I'm assuming we're not going to name and every time. A pl- so, no, we're not no, naming Harry no, you Kane can't. seven times. No. Okay. Spoilers. Spoilers, okay. guys. Okay. No, no. Okay. Once you, if, the, if he's been multiple times, and, and also for the record, if it's someone who's joint top scorer, then that counts. You can have a joint; doesn't have to be out on his own. But yeah, I don't know how many there are, but there are a lot. All the way back to 60, 60 61 I'd like you to name as many as possible. And I think Elio has to go first, right? Seeing as you guys got the last winning point there, so Elio top, gets the first top going, league wait, scorer did, for Spurs, top all competition scorer. All I competitions. Believe. I believe. Going all the way back to the double. Going all the way back to the double winning season, because that's as far as my stats go. Cool. Who's going first? I think you have to go first, Elio. There is no got... way we're beating Elio at this. Yeah, you're not going to win this one. Well, it's lucky you're in the lead, isn't it? I'm I'm up, uh, Joe, to, um, to just say a random one. Really, Are you giving him and power of attorney? Give, give him the game. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sabotaging my game that I've spent so long planning out? Yeah, but how great would it be if Elio's... It literally, look at his little face now. He's got them all listed <laughs> Elio would insist on naming them even if you're out. on his eyelids and if we just go, I don't know. Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. (laughs) Stephen Freud. Yeah, the thing is though, Elio will insist on carrying on without you. He wants to show off. Anyway, Elio. Elio, I'll go do something else. Can you you give us our first guest and tell us why it's Harry Kane? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go for Clive Allen. (laughs) Yep. Who's arguably more obvious than Harry Kane. Yep. Well, pretty. 49 goals. Yeah, I know. 49 goals in a season, which is our record in 86-87. Actually, twice. Are you gonna go? Are you gonna go? He was like, our top scorer the following season as descending well. Descending by number of goals. <laughs> he's gonna that, try. That, that <laughs> right? He's gonna try. That's you guys. He- no, no. Th- there's no method to this. I'm just gonna shout out any names that come to mind. Joe, Dave, who's your guess? Who's your penalty? Step up to the 12 yard line. Go on, Joe. Go, go for just Kane. say it. Harry Kane is of course there seven times, which is outrageous. But you only get one point. Mm. So that's about in a row. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A man who we've mentioned before, our greatest ever goal scorer, Jimmy Greaves. Jimmy Greaves is on the list. Just once. Jimmy Greaves definitely finished top scorer more than once. Uh, we'll go for... Has, has your list like lost half of the 60s, potentially? 
Has it got half the wait, 60s? Wait, wait. It actually has. I'm not even kidding. My list jumps from 63 to 71, and I have no idea <laughs> okay. why. It doesn't say anything about it. We can assume yeah, Jimmy Greaves I mean, is top scoring Jimmy most is on of those seasons. If we have one from the 60s, from that period that's contentious, we'll look it up. Okay, But good. yeah, I have no idea why. I, that's really weird. I just didn't look at it in that much detail. <laughs> Trust this. I, mean, it's like, I can't even be held responsible for that one. This is just a weird we're list. Just, we're just stretching out the inevitable here. <laughs> Dave, have a little faith. Let's just, let's How just, many times have you won the Who Am I game? <laughs> Emotional this is ridiculous. hedging. Come on, Dave. I'm sure your Spurs knowledge is at least as good as your Man United knowledge. All right. Probably. Back over to you guys. You well, pretty we'll much go got an open goal to Man United at. players then. <laughs> we'll go with Teddy Sheringham. Teddy Sheringham is, I'm sure, on the list. Yep, he is. There's one. Uh, yeah, there's one. He's on there th- four, five times. Five times. I won't bother telling you which years, but he's on there a lot. So he is fine. Over to you, Elio. So you're level now. So if Elio misses this, you get Robbie Keane. Robbie Keane is on the list. Three, four, four times, including a joint. He was good, wasn't he? He wasn't bad. Back to you guys. Uh, if you missed this, uh, you're out. Klinsman. Klinsman is on the list. Very good. Twice. One time with only half a season, joint on nine goals with another man, who I won't name. Is the person he was joint with that season also an answer in this? Yeah. If you want to... David Ginola. That's the right answer, David Ginola. That was my first season as a season ticket holder. With nine goals. Not bad for... Yeah, we were pretty bad. Yeah, it was all, it was <laughs> all down to you. That's not bad for an old school left winger, though. Back over uh, to you guys. If you missed this, Lineker. you're out. Of course, Lineker is on there with three golden boots. Not golden boots. Spurs golden boots, if that's the thing. <laughs> There's a trophy. That's a trophy, yeah. I'm sure he got a little trophy for it. <laughs> yep, Gary Lineker. Over to you, Elio. Dimitar Berbatov. Dimitar Berbatov was our top scorer twice. <laughs> Once joined with Kino, I'm guessing. Yep. 23 um, in both. More nervous about this one, but uh, Defoe? Mm. Defoe is on the list. Very good. Twice from Thank what God I can he is, see. Because I've literally, I'd already ticked him. 22 goals in 0405. <laughs> 24 goals in 0910. Not bad innings from Jermaine. That's you, Elio. It's getting a little bit trickier now. Pressure's on. Gareth Bale. Gareth Bale is correct. Just the one season, but what a season it was. 2012 13 with 26 in all competitions. About 20 of them were worldies as well. Mm. Dave Joe, pressure's on. Mm. Must get this right. I'm going to say that every time. It's going to get really annoying. I've run out of names on my uh, list now. I've actually got to think. This is like when you're bringing the keepers up to take a penalty, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, Kepa. Rose Ed. I feel like the really obvious ones are out of the way now. It's not that easy when you haven't got the list staring at you. Like I'm looking at them thinking like obviously him, obviously him, but I don't know if I'd think of them otherwise. doesn't help that my list is incomplete, admittedly. That's so weird, though. It's almost like there was some world war in between that time that I wasn't aware of. It just stops. Unless it just was Jimmy Greaves every season from then until then. But he wasn't there that... I'm going to stop obsessing over it. How long was he there? His last season, his first was 61-62. I think his last was 69-70. Oh, I'm assuming that's probably what it is then. It's probably just Jimmy Greaves all the way. But I don't know why they wouldn't just... They've done that for Harry Kane all the way. They put him in for each individual season. Anyway, I'm I'm buying you guys time. You're you're doing like a little Pogba run-up for your penalty now. Just a little tip-tubbing. Little Jorginho skip. I'm just trying to think of strikers from like the noughties now. I'm like the like the only player I can think I of think is Darren Bent. The aren't we? Are you going to go for Darren Bent? We've peppered the noughties, haven't we? Is there even any from the noughties left? Um, There's a few. Yeah, 
I'm trying to think. Are these mind games from Elio? I mean, I don't know. Oh, let's, let's just go for Darren Dan. Jose, Jose Dominguez. <laughs> I'm going to take Joe's answer on that one. <laughs> Which is a correct answer. Darren Bent was our top scorer in 2008-09 with 17. Can't believe I just gave you one with Dominguez. <laughs> <laughs> Dominguez, I remember yeah, after his I'm debut, gonna, thinking he was the best player I'd ever seen. I'm going to go with Jose. No, I'm going to go with um, <laughs> Raphael van der Vaart. Raphael van der Vaart was our top scorer in 2010-11 with good. 15 goals. Pressure back on you guys. Elio is knocking them out of the park. This is like... <laughs> this is like facing Germany. It's like the Euro '96. How incredible this would be if we beat him! You, you could, because he's he's quite confident. I feel like Elio. He's going to go for a Penenka in a minute. He's going to step up and just try and show off, just to win with flair. He'll know one, but he'll go for a more obscure one. Mm. I'm just going to throw up Tottenham players that I've heard of at you. That would work. It's a good start, Dave. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is what WhatsApp. Yeah. Is the logic here? If Dave's heard of a Tottenham player, he was probably our top scorer. <laughs> I, I'm not so. Ian oh. Walker. <laughs> Is that your final answer? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not massively confident, but I, I'm. I'm not confident. I was thinking this name as well. Random. Crouch. Peter Crouch. Is not on the list. Oh. I want to give you another and go. Elio for that. wins. Oh, watch him. Move on. Elio, I know you want to keep going. Do you want uh, to keep going? I'm, I'm, I'm conscious of time, so I'm just going to rattle <laughs> off a few obvious on, ones. Only of only obvious Let's ones. Have Joe, you should <sighs> know Bobby Smith, yep. our top scorer as we won the double. Yep. Single greatest season in Spurs history. Yep. 33 goals in 60-61. Yep. Admonish yourself. Yep. It's not It's not a list. It's just going to lecture me for five minutes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, no. I, I'm all for it. I'll allow it. Elio, continue. <laughs> I'm going to Put Joe in his place. <laughs> Who else should Joe definitely known about? No, no, that's the only one I'd say he should have known. Just give me a hand, um, hand signal when you're done. <laughs> that's the Dave's only one he should have known. I, I'm pretty sure Adzabayor was our top scorer oh, at yeah. least once. He was twice, yeah. not twice. 13, 14 um, and 11-12. Oddly enough, as much as he didn't light things up for us, I'm pretty sure Sergei Rebrov <laughs> was in his first season he for was. us. 12 goals in 2001. Very good. Um... I think Stefan Everson was at least once. I'm starting to agree with you, Dave, that you would have had no chance. Yeah, Stefan Everson was twice in a row. 98-99 and 99-2000. 13 and 17, respectively. I think Glenn Hoddle would have bagged it at he some was. point. One season, 79-80, with 22 goals. Bloody wow. hell. <laughs> I never would have said Hoddle. I bet they weren't tappings either. I think after Hoddle left, Chris Waddle came into his own as our best player, and he must have got it at least once. Chris Waddle, 14 goals in 88-89. Going back to the the sort of end of, towards the end of the Nicholson era, Martin Chivers must oh, be course. in there somewhere. Four in a row from Martin Chivers. From 70 Jesus, all the way I through to 74. Yep. I mean, he's one of our top ever goals. Yeah, that's a that's safe not bet. a surprise. Joe really should have known that one. Um, <laughs> no, the, the only one that Joe should have known is Bobby Smith, because we won the double think, with him. I think we front. can all agree Joe is a disgrace to Spurs fans. Joe Chivers was on my list, I've just realised. I'm sure he was, really? I'm sure he was. It, no, seriously, he was the fourth one I wrote yeah. down, and for some reason, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't say I his name. I love showing your working business we've got. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, he is there. Okay, I don't know, enough. I just didn't stand out. Hold on, Joe. I think mid-80s, early mid-80s, when we had Crooks and Archibald, I'm pretty sure Archibald will have won Golden Boots at least once. The Spurs, I mean, Spurs Golden Boots. He one. won it three yeah, times. You're calling it Golden Boot. Yeah, the Spurs Golden Boot <laughs> was won by Steve Archibald three times in the space of five um, years. Oh gosh! In that case, if he only won it three times, did did Garth Crooks also he win it did once? Twice, actually. 
Well, one was joint okay. with Archibald, actually. <laughs> this is seriously impressive. I'm going to keep it going. Dave's just shaking I'm, his I'm head and falling asleep. To run thin. Dave, some Spurs fans listen so- to this. They might like this. Early 70s, we began our decline ever so slightly. We did win a European trophy, but... <laughs> The history of Tottenham Hotspur with Elio. <laughs> Dave, Dave just left. Dave has literally tired. walked off. It, it is, it is he quite is holding a wine glass fan to just have to listen to the Rain Man of Spurs fans <laughs> list just, strikers from the seventies. Just to describe what I've just witnessed for the people listening, Dave just sighed heavily, stood up, holding a wine glass, and walked out of the room. I can only assume he's going to top up. I think we'll come back with a full glass of wine. It's my bet, <laughs> or an empty glass. Come on, Elio. What happens if you get all of these? Do we just stop? Do you just I won't get do you just win Challenge Elio forever? The year in the seventies, I'm likely to slip up mm, because I don't know we these ones. Left, that was a worse yeah, period no one for cares us. We about didn't win much. So Spurs in the seventies started well. Oh, I mean, you're not 80s, you're not down Mark, to the seventies yet. Ma- yeah, there we go. Ma- Mark, Fal- Mark, Mark Falco, Falco was one of our best strikers. Mark Falco had two Spurs golden boots. Two, two, two Spurs golden boots. Yeah. Okay, we're up to the mid seventies, Dave. They're, they're gathering dust in the trophy cabinet at the moment as we speak. Oh, my God. They've got two weeks off to come back to this. This is a bit of a punt. I'm what do you call me? Down to sort of, this is a bit, yeah. punt is a bit of a punt. I'm going to educated guesses now, but Gaza maybe? He was phenomenal for us. So Gaza was joint with Lineker in 1991 on 19. Oh, Jesus. He's still going. He's still going. I mean, Dave's just biding his not... time until the Who Am I? He's like, yeah, yeah, you show off all your life. There's I'm still going to win. There's another round of quizzes to come. There is, Joe. <laughs> I thought this was... Joe, have you done this before? When have we not had a, a Who Am I to wrap it up? We should have definitely just gone with Stefan Freund. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't have changed anything. You would have just would have left more for Elio to name in a row. Come on, Elio. You're slowing down. I feel like we need to count how many you've done. This come on, mate. Fast game's a good game. <laughs> this is a bad game. Colin Lee. Oh, I think you might have finally named one that I've not seen. There is no Colin Lee. Finally, the game's over. But that is seriously impressive. Just because there aren't, there aren't actually that many left. I might as well realize. So there's John Duncan, a Scotsman from the 70s, who was a top scorer <gasps> I several times. Peter Taylor and Chris Jones, also in the 70s. Never heard of either. Peter Taylor? Never heard of either. Yeah, Peter Taylor what, is that was that Peter Taylor? As in... basically hot. Yeah, as in he was manager recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, not for us, but yeah, one of Hoddle's best mates. Okay, okay. Chris Jones, did you say? That must have been when we were relegated Chris Jones, to the league below. Chris Jones in 76, 77, yeah. Um, and then I think, did you say 70? You did, didn't you? Did you say, yeah. the one you missed more recently, or more recently than those, is Gustavo Poyet in 2001 to 2002. I would have thought Sheringham from then. We said Adebayor, and that's it. So I think you missed three from our entire last it's not good enough, 70, Elliot. 60 years or so. Anyway, moving very swiftly on for Dave's sake and for everyone's sake swiftly. to our final round, which I'm hoping Dave is on top form and can get it within a couple of guesses. This is the Who Am I game. I'm going to read out a number of clues about a former or current Spurs player and the guys will take it in turns to guess who I'm talking about based on the clues. So clue number one, I am five foot ten. And it's over to you guys now, Dave and Joe. Who's five foot ten who plays for Spurs or has played for Spurs? You can pass. No, Dave. I think, it. I think this is going to be just Joe versus Elio. I think Dave's mentally checked out about half an hour ago. <laughs> uh, Robbie Keane. It's not Robbie Keane. Next clue. I have three international caps. Elio, I know you're going to give me a guess. Yeah, of course I am. Um, Ryan Mason. It's not Ryan Mason. I have won a title in one of the big five European leagues. Joe and Dave, any guesses? Uh, yeah, I'm just texting you, Dave. Sorry, not that last mm. one. I just said I forgot about the caps. 
Yeah, you can ignore that. Dave, you might want to unblock Joe. Um, Any guess? No. How's the wine going down, Dave? Uh, yeah, it's good. It was needed <laughs> yeah. after that shit show. One major league title. Um, is it... Uh, Dimitar Berbatov? No. It's not, three caps. <laughs> it's not Dimitar Berbatov with his three Bulgarian caps. Bulgarian poster boy. <laughs> Before you, I think I already know who it is, but I'm going to wait for the clue. Okay. So I, I'm I writing don't think he down. Deserves a clue after I, a comment like that. Okay. I'm writing down who I think it yeah. is, but I'm not going to show it until you've said the clue, just to reinforce it. This is categorically showing off. On your this hands. Is... I don't believe you wrote it on the paper. I have written it on the paper. My hands mm-hmm. are now in the air. Thanks, give the clue. I'm going to pick the the least helpful clue I can possibly find in that case. I made my. It's actually quite help. Could be helpful. I made my Spurs debut as a substitute for Mauricio Torrico. You look confused, Okay, yeah. it's not who I thought it was. Yeah, it's not who I thought it was. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Smarmy kid. Let's have it. <laughs> who did you think it was? <laughs> this isn't my guess, obviously. Yeah. I thought it was more recent than that. I thought it was going to be Benjamin Stambouli. <laughs> that is rogue, and that is not correct. Uh, so, came on for Maurizio Tarico. Doesn't necessarily mean it was a full pack. Tarico, greatest fullback of all time, obviously. Um, after Ricotto. After Ricotto. Yeah. Some say the Danny Rose of his day. Three international caps. Five foot ten, three international caps, has won a title in one of the big five European leagues mm-hmm. and came on for Tariko. I'm wasting my breath by saying you can pass, but I'm going to say it yeah, anyway. Absolutely. Ab- absolutely, you are. All right, the fact that it's not Benjamin Stambouli has really thrown me. Um, yeah, that was actually going to be my next Stam- clue. It was Stambouli or <laughs> the next Bust. clue. It is not Benjamin <laughs> Stambouli. It seems so obvious it was Stambouli. Is just... that the name of our episode, Stambouli or Bust? <laughs> I'm just going to go for a throwaway guess here and say Ben Thatcher. No, it's not Ben Thatcher. Next clue. I once oh lost God, a cup final clubs. to one of my former clubs. Are you telling us whether that's playing for us or not? I am not. Joe Dave, any guess? Is it uh, Chris Armstrong? It's not Chris Armstrong. Next clue. Wait, wait, wait. Once again, (laughs) I'm going to write down who I think it is before the clue. Can I remind you it's not Benjamin Stambouli? Yes. (laughs) Okay? Cool. And just like before, I'm going to find a clue that is going to help you the least that I possibly can. Um, I grew up supporting Arsenal. Tim Sherwood. I hate you. It is Tim Sherwood. It's very good. Which, <laughs> Which you have, of already. course, written down. Well done, Elio. Oh, You're very, God. very smart. And you know a lot about Spurs. No, he lost to Blackburn in 2002. That's right. He did. He did indeed. The rest of the clues, for what it's worth, are... In all competitions, I scored 16 goals in 118 Spurs appearances. I played for five other English clubs. And there's a quote here saying, you can play five a side out there and they all want to win, but there's a different level. I wanted to kill people to win. Nice quote. And finally, this would have been my last kind of almost giving it away I don't know why I'm writing these down. (laughs) I don't know either. (laughs) My final clue was going to be, I was once cited by my club as the reason that they declined to sign Zinedine Zidane. That would have actually given it away. That would have given it away, wouldn't it? Yeah, I know. Yeah, Yeah, I think think that was, that was saving that one to last just because it's hilarious to think about. Uh, So yeah, that was it. You went for an obscure one with the support Arsenal. It's actually quite well known. Is it really? Intr- I imagine there are a lot of expert players that grow up supporting Arsenal. I would have never guessed that Tim Sherwood is 5'10". Did you think taller? Yeah. 
Well, you had no hope from the beginning then, Dave, really, did you? No, that was I would never, clue. it was out of my equation. I yeah. was thinking about short guys. Yeah. How tall is Benjamin Stambouli, I wonder? Oh, he's a giant of a man. <laughs> At least <laughs> six foot six. <laughs> I was really thrown by it not being Benjamin Stambouli. <laughs> what were you basing that you on? You can about say two that clues? again if you want, and it still sounds ridiculous. You're believing your own hype earlier. I think you got it in two clues last time. You think you can do it every week. But nevertheless, that, I mean, five foot 11, you have still won. So there you go. It's only a narrow victory technically, but I think you were always in control of that. So well done. Another victory, even though you had two opponents this week. And commiserations to Joe and Dave, who Dave just wants to go to bed. Joe, I think, had admitted a fee a little while ago, but good effort, guys. And great to have you all back on the podcast. It's nice to have a full house for once. And uh, we're hopefully going to have three or four of us next week as well. We don't know who's going to be there, but rest assured, it will probably go on for about two hours and we'll all be sick and tired of each other by the end of it. Uh, and on that note... I've had a great time. I'm sure you have, Elio. This has been another episode of The Elio Show. So uh, I hope you've all enjoyed my company with the world's greatest pundit and these two amateurs on his side. So, uh, But no, in all seriousness, <laughs> thanks for joining me. It's been a great, great podcast. And I hope everyone's enjoyed it listening at home. And I hope you join us next week where we are going to be talking about the Brighton game, which could be could be a very big three points if we get it so let's see how things are looking then let's hope that we are approaching the arsenal game with a nice little lead on them so that we don't have to stress too much about the prospects of playing them at home but until then as always you stay classy spurs fans and we will see you again next week Here's Lucas Moura. Oh, they've done it. They've done it.